remarkable idea. An idea that has intrigued and attracted and literally thrilled thousands upon thousands of men, women, and children. And you, my friends, are about to witness this idea become a reality. For this is the story of the miracle sea in the desert. Wastelands of California. My name is Michael, and I'm a mere figment of your imagination. I look forward to once again serve you those sounds of salvation. First-time listeners, turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a very different kind of show, a place where we don't feel so alone. Oh yeah, live and direct right now on YouTube. I see you out there. My guest this evening is Linda Godfrey. She is an author of over 18 books on strange creatures, phenomena, and people. She's a frequent guest on national TV and radio shows, including Monster Quest, Fox News, Lost Tapes, Monsters, and Mysteries, and Sean Hannity's America. Once again, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this. Good evening to all of you out there. I encourage all of you out there to go to YouTube to interact with me and other listeners just like yourself. What's going on, boys and girls? I hope all of you out there are doing fine. I'm not 100% right now. Still slightly sick. I apologize. We've got a lot on our plates tonight. Definitely get yourselves comfortable. And without further ado, let's get to Linda. Linda, are you there? I'm here. How are you? I'm great, thanks. And you? Um, about 50%. Well, that's, gosh, good and bad, I guess, both, right? I hope you're feeling better soon. Don't worry, I will. By the end of this show, you'll feel great, I, right? I, oh, yeah, I'm drinking a lot of different things right now, so I'm pretty sure I'll be fine. <laughs> good, good to hear it. Oh, yeah. So, Linda, welcome back to End of Days, the Michael Deacon program. It's been a while since we last talked. Yeah, I think you're right, um, at... At least a year, two years? About, yeah, about there. Mm-hmm. I can't even believe how fast time flies by. It really does sometimes. They, well, they say the older you get, the faster time goes. I believe it. It's true. Mm-hmm. Don't know why, but... Yeah, so thank you tremendously for sharing your time with us all here. Oh, I'm always glad to come on your show. Um, You know, we have a good time. We certainly do. And speaking of which, you've been extremely busy last year and now. Yeah, it's, it's been taking a lot of my attention, uh, the book business and investigations and all those sorts of things. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And, of course, Linda, for those that have never heard of you, I thought we could start things off pretty slowly here and 
Just get into your background before we begin. Sure, and I'll try and give you the short version, but it just happened that um, about 25 years ago, I had just started as a reporter at a weekly newspaper in southern Wisconsin when I heard people from my own hometown of Elkhorn, Wisconsin, saying that they had seen this creature on this road outside of town. And they would usually say something like it was five to seven feet tall, covered with long, shaggy fur, had long a long muzzle and fangs, claws, and weirdest of all, it walked or ran on its hind legs. If there was such a thing as a werewolf, this is what I would call a werewolf. And I thought that was kind of humorous. I thought it must be some mistake. The road they were talking about is called Bray Road. It's three or four miles of family farms, um, not very wooded, not spooky looking at all. It's a connector between um, Main Highway going through that region and then um, a shortcut to the local county hospital. So, you know, not like this desolate area you'd expect to have a weird um, legend spring up from. Yeah. But I uh, went and interviewed the uh, individuals who were saying this with the help of our um, county animal control officer who showed me a manila file folder he had marked werewolf, believe it or not. That was when it became a news story. And it was filled with reports uh, from people calling him and saying, I saw this thing. If there was such a thing as a werewolf, this was it. And he shared with me their contact information, which I thought was remarkable in the first place because people who are pulling a hoax or something, for one thing, normally there aren't like a bunch of them, it's, you know, maybe one or two, and they don't usually share their, um, conflict, their, their contact information with someone who could later charge them with fraud or something like that. So, I went and talked to the people, and everyone I talked to seemed perfectly just, um, you know, sons of the soil people, good, steady Americans, what you would expect to meet out in, you know, southern Wisconsin. None of them struck me as trying to be pulling one over on me or lying or anything like that. Some of them were very deeply scared and showed signs of just, you know, kind of reliving it when they were telling me about it. And so I did, I was also the newspaper's artist and cartoonist illustrator, um, which was how I had started with the whole newspaper thing. And I drew um, a sketch of what struck me as one of the most dramatic sightings, which was um, a young single mother driving late at night through the area and saw this, she called it a thing too, crouched in the dirt holding some kind of bloody roadkill on its upturned, clawed paws and snarling at her as she drove past. And so that was what I depicted. And I didn't, I, I did not at the beginning, and I still do not all these years later, believe the people were seeing what you would call um, a medieval or Hollywood-style classic werewolf. It was canine, and it was upright, running around, that sort of thing. But that's not a supernatural thing. So I thought, well, beast would cover just about any kind of animal you could come up with. Um, let you know it's out of the ordinary, it's not your or regular Fido, there's something about it, but doesn't, you know, just run away with it either. So I came up with the Beast of Bray Road, we titled it, um, thought it would be of interest locally for a couple of weeks, and lo and behold, within a couple of weeks, um, if we'd had the Internet like then, like we do now, we would have said it went viral. Oh, Instead, yes. Yeah, we'd, but it, it went national. Um 
it started with the local papers and then um, the state TV uh, channels all came out. Uh, we had uh, Bill O'Reilly out in his uh, news reporter days. Um, Bill O'Reilly was there? He Yeah, he oh used my. to run. For some reason, the name of this show is, is uh, madly escaping my uh, uh, brain. It's one of, you know, one of the, the pop news entertainment shows. He used to be one of the uh, commentators on that show. So that this was, I should mention, um, New Year's Eve weekend of 1991 to 1992 that this ran. So you can see it's been decades since then. Uh, Inside Edition, I'm sorry. Inside Edition, name, yeah. Yeah, was the name of that TV show. So um, people were very interested. And the, it, the most interesting thing to me was that I started getting communications from all over, not just Wisconsin, but other states, the U.S., um, Europe, even the Virgin Islands, saying, that's no joke. They're not making that up. I saw it, too. And they were very, very adamant on that, the ones who, who uh, contacted me. And remember, people didn't normally have Internet in those years yet like we do. That's true. It was, yeah, it was considered very special. So people had to look up the newspaper which was called The Week. It was located in Delavan, Wisconsin, and either snail mail me or find the phone and landline call me. <laughs> and and they were. And uh, I worked for that newspaper for, say, for about 10 years. And the thing was that it never let up. It kept going all that time. And I thought that since people were calling me and trusting me with their information, um, that it behooved me to just be sort of the keeper of the lore uh, until we found out or figured out what it was. And I thought at the time that even if it was just something that turned out to be a local legend, something people would talk about around the campfire, that it would still be pretty cool to observe folklore in the making. That's you know, true. And then yeah. see what became of it. And, Linda, before all of this, I'm very curious to know, were you ever interested in this field at all in terms of these creatures and monsters that you speak about? Um, cryptozoology is what they generally call that, and I actually had never heard that word before at that time. Um, I didn't, as I said, believe that there were werewolves running around in the world. Um, I do believe that there is a supernatural or another dimensional world um, raised Lutheran, and so, you know, if you believe your Bible, there are other worlds, other places. So I was um, interested in that, and then in college I did kind of my, I undertook my own study of parapsychology, um, wherever I, and, and it was still kind of new that that was the era of the new age type of thing. So I attended lectures and, um, there was a book, uh, psychic experiments behind the iron curtain. And it described the, um, at that time, Soviet unions attempts to teach people to be psychic. And supposedly they were training lots of uh, citizens to, psychically spy on us and one one of the uh, things that they had was they they trained people to sense colors just by touch of their fingers on what on a certain substance and I actually got my my husband and I were married while we were in college and I actually talked him into doing this experiment with me where I had a pack of construction paper and I put out the different colors and we'd take turns you know arranging them for each other and see if we could keep a keep a blindfold on and tell what each color was, and we both got very good at it. It was surprising how we were able to. Red was the roughest, and then blue had, was the smoothest, and that's kind of how we went about it. So 
I was open to things like that, you know, just because I was curious. I wanted to know where our world connected with other worlds or where it stopped or, ah. you know, whatever, whatever I could. But, um, and, and I actually have to say also, um, my, my dad was real interested in UFOs because he thought he had seen one. Ah, so he was open-minded. Yeah, we That's had, good. um, all the, the men's hunting sports of field magazines, which ran the, um, original stories about Bigfoot that were printed up. And he had, he subscribed to some of the science fiction, um, magazines at the time too. So I was used to seeing not the kind of alien that was, um, that, that we think of now, but different types of, of, uh, imaginative. Sure. Paintings of aliens, you know, that would be these other, uh, magazine covers. So I was exposed to that sort of thing. I, I took an interest in it, but I certainly never thought that there was anything such as a werewolf. And I still don't, but that doesn't mean there's nothing weird about it. Understood. And we're going to get into all these things, but before we do, I'm just curious, how difficult is it to, I guess, break into publishing books like these? Um, I, I think it's fairly, fairly easy. Um, I think it's fairly difficult to find More a difficult. mainstream publisher. Ah, okay. Or at least it was. I think it's getting easier now because it is becoming more mainstream with the explosion of TV shows on these subjects. More and more people are interested. And it used to be that very few people were actually even aware that there were books being published on many of these topics. You had to be sort of really in with this niche, um, uh, with, with this niche interest unit. How can I put this? Um, not very many people were interested. <laughs> Understood. Yeah, I was going to say, publishers, I wonder if they have a certain preference for certain kinds of topics. Um, yeah, and over over um, my couple of decades in the, in the book field, I have to say I was not even willing to go and lead with my idea for the Beast of Bray Road when I went to Wisconsin's uh, really nice regional publisher. That They had a very very good... Um, reputation and my first book was a true crime, true historical crime book um, called The Poison Widow, and it was another story that I discovered while working for the newspaper that in the 1920s there was a woman in Whitewater, Wisconsin, maybe about half an hour from Bray Road, half an hour's drive, but not connected with it at all. But she and um, a college student that was boarding in their house. Um, somehow hatched a plan, a, a plan to kill her husband with strychnine, and they accomplished this and almost got away with it, except then she tried to kill her four children too, because the, oh my God. the younger guy didn't want them. It was, it was very, um, pretty dark. Uh, yeah, it's a very, very dark story, but it was local and there were so many surprising things about it, um, that they just took it right away. And then they said, well, what else have you got? And at that point, then I said, well, would you believe werewolves? I think that was those were, ah. were my exact words, and I had the I had the editor's complete attention. So that was the next one then. So um, the Beast of Bray Road, Tailing Wisconsin's Werewolf, was my second book. And how do you keep these topics fresh when writing about these things, Linda? Well, it isn't that I'm endeavoring just to think up new things or um, you know do that myself. The the uh, readers are those who keep it fresh for me because there are continually more and more people who see these things. Um, many times they have their own unique twist to them. Right. And so the, the readers and the witnesses who come and report to me, 
They're the ones who keep it fresh. And what I try to do is not just say, ooh, here's scary stories and repeat them verbatim. I try to sort of associate them, uh, correlate them, find out if there are other um, uh, phenomena that just relate to them in any way and see if I can make some sense. Sometimes I'll, um, you know, vet the, the witness story a little bit, although I try and do that ahead of time. If I'm talking to somebody and I really feel that they're lying or pranking or hoaxing, yeah. it doesn't go in my book, you know. Understood. I think there have been one or two that have slipped through, but um, especially nowadays, it's so easy to check any little fact that they give you that it's uh, much easier to weed people out if you need. And ask, actually, I have to say, it's a very small percentage, I feel, who even think of trying that. Yes, I was going to mention it must be... Uh, in the earlier days, it, it must have not been that difficult to figure out who was genuine and, and disgenuous about their story. Yeah, um, there were people, in, in the beginning, I started receiving a lot of uh, pictures which were obviously, you know, Uncle Vern out in the cow field with uh, some kind of a fursuit on his head, you know, I, <laughs> or somebody wearing a werewolf Halloween mask sure. keeping the corn stalks. That sort of thing. Um, and they're pretty easy to rule out. It's, it actually is quite difficult for a human to succeed in walking around in any sort of a consistent animal costume just because we're built so differently. You know, uh, and canines especially walk on their tiptoes. It's called digitigrade is the fancy word for it. And so their, their hocks or what would be our heels are up off the ground. And it's really, really difficult for a human to emulate that look. The closest they've come is these costumes where people put those very, very springy stilts. They almost look like little um, curved skis with um, a, a something to attach them to the leg. And then they can kind of bound around on those. But it doesn't look human. I mean, it doesn't look like a, like a wolf or, or a dog still because there's too much of a foot on it with the, with the ski part. So... Um, it, it just is really hard to pull it off. Right. And I would have to say, even today, with TV shows about searching for Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster and all sorts of different uh, stories of that, or creatures, rather, these TV shows have really just got these subjects really popular again. Yeah, like I said, it really has exploded in the last probably four to five years. And um, one of the first uh, really good ones, I think, was Monster Quest. And I say that not because I was in... Because you were the there. First, yeah, <laughs> I was in the first and second episodes, yeah. Um, but they they really um, did a pretty good job, I thought, and kept people interested and did four seasons, which is pretty good for that type of show as well. And then the Finding Bigfoot came along, and um, there have just been so many since then. So... Um, I think that has really been the big thing that's helped skyrocket public knowledge about them. Yeah, and the Sci-Fi Channel as well. Yes, that's another one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it was called The Haunted Highway. Yep, I remember that one. I'm pretty sure I was on it. And World's Scariest Places, there were a lot of fringe ones too. World's Scariest Places was another early one. There's just so many that I I can't even remember them now, but... I just certainly remember a time, I think it might have been 2007, when it really just started getting really popular. Right, exactly. And that was about the time, too, um, that I was hired um, 
by by Sterling Publishers to author and co-author Weird Wisconsin and Weird Michigan. That was really big and um, a very big boon to me, too. And that was not just strange creatures, but all types of odd phenomena and haunted graveyards and that sort of thing. It was tremendous fun. I think I put 5,000 miles on my car just in uh, Michigan, Michigan oh, wow. alone. But, um, yeah, at there, so my, my book order was Poison Widow, The Beast of Bray Road, and then The Weird Wisconsin and The Weird Michigan. And then I did Strange Wisconsin and Strange Michigan and uh, kind of took off from there. And the same could be said about the TV show Ancient Aliens in terms of uh, UFOs and extraterrestrials being a very hot subject. That TV show, I think, alone deserves a lot of credit for, for doing that to the uh, general public out there. Yeah, I do think they've certainly um, raised public awareness on that score, definitely. Uh, it's it's such an easy show to watch. It's very well produced, and you just it sort of draws you in and... And you can't stop watching it. You know, it's it's, it's well the, done. Yeah, it is. It's very well done. And many of them are. There have been some that were not so well done, and they're not around anymore. But um, they really have taken a very large share of the airwaves compared to um, you know 20 years ago. Yeah, I'm I'm just always just surprised that this has come around again. Well, yeah, and it it's been cycling bigger and bigger. Um, as the years go by, and I just wonder if people are going to get tired of it. And there have been um, other generations of people who have been through all of these things. Sure. Um, you know, I'm not. It's, it's not just me and people who started about the same time as me. You go back, and you've got John Keel, who was about retiring, who was retiring about the time that I started. Um, Ivan Sanderson was one of those very active in the '60s. Lauren Coleman, I think, was active in the 70s and 80s, and he still is very much so, runs a great uh, museum in Maine, a Museum of Cryptozoology. Um, so there are all these other people who were really doing wonderful jobs, lots of investigating. Many of them were bona fide scientists. I'm always quick to note that I was a journalist, not a scientist, you know, so I, I keep my reporter's hat on, but I don't claim to know um, scientific things in any field. I just didn't... I just research and suggest do field work as I'm able to wherever I'm um, allowed to go somewhere and look at whatever information or tracks or whatever are there. But um, there were many people who were biologists and paleontologists and archaeologists who did lend that background of of, uh, science to some of the earlier efforts. So um, it's kind of like every decade there's been this new round of uh, people investigating these things, and it seems to widen with each generation is just what I've noticed. And what I like about you, Linda, your writing is very good, and you keep objective. You don't exact, like you said, you don't add on to things like we see on television at times. Some things are, yeah, some things are slightly embellished for entertainment purposes, of course. Yeah, I I really try to do that. I really try to keep my reporter's head on and keep it to what the witness report. Now, sometimes, I mean, some of the things these witnesses report are pretty out there. Pretty out there, but, right. But if it's someone that I believe is telling me the truth, um, as they saw it, that's what I feel bound to report, you know. And um, who am I to dismiss what people are saying when everything else is about them seems logical and, and believable, 
Right. And of so course, uh huh. Go oh, ahead. Sorry. sorry. I was just going to mention one one really good example of things that are exaggerated was uh, sometime in the past couple of years there was a show that ended up with the statement that and out on Bray Road the the necks of five horses were slashed and I was so surprised to hear that because I would think I would have heard that back then if that had happened they were talking about um, the early years I got in touch with that same animal control officer and said hey did you ever see or hear of five horses getting their neck slashed on Bray Road and he said no that never happened that yeah could not have happened now there was a horse that had its neck slashed um, and this was recorded in um, my book hunting the Amer- no I don't think it was hunting the American werewolf I think it was actually in the beast of Bray Road I forget what's in what book anymore <laughs> but, <laughs> but okay. um, there was a woman and I think this sounds more like Bigfoot there was a woman who had an upright furry creature come right up to the porch on her house and kind of bang at the doorknob, and she was terrified, and she watched it. Um, she kind of scared it away somehow. It went through her garden and the footprints, and then it went into her horse barn. She could hear the horse shrieking, and something left uh, deep, bloody claw marks kind of raked down the horse's neck. And there was a DNR agent who came out and looked at it, and I interviewed him, and he said, yeah, he said, those were big footprints and they were real. He thought they looked more human-like, um, which um, makes sense because her location was Jefferson County, where there have been quite a few Bigfoot sightings. So um, we have all sorts of things running around southeastern Wisconsin. Yeah, speaking of Bigfoot, uh, I believe it was Teddy Roosevelt who actually had a pretty strange encounter with Bigfoot. Yeah, um, he was quite a hunter. And the wilderness, the wilderness hunter, I believe it's called. Yeah, yeah, he was. And I, I don't know the story well enough to, you know, retell it, but, um, I do know that he was also very adamant that all the mountain lions had to go because he saw them as sort of pests and vermin. And we've since learned that, um, mount, and a lot of people think that black panthers are, 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 some type of great cat, whether it's a panther or a cougar or a jaguar, are magical beings. And um, I don't necessarily think that's true because you can get really good photos of them, and I've seen them in exotic um, private zoos and that kind of thing. Um, but other other than that, uh, he, Teddy Roosevelt was really against mountain lions. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I suppose it makes some sense. Oh, yes. Those are yeah. dangerous creatures. Yes, exactly. But there was there was an incident with with him and seeing a Bigfoot, or what many people feel was a Bigfoot, and uh, it's pretty easy to find if you just uh, Google Teddy Roosevelt and Bigfoot, it should come up yeah. quite easily. It's a very um good book, very popular story, and of course Bigfoot has been pretty hot lately. Lots of uh, sightings out there. Yeah. I, I even yeah. mm-hmm, go ahead. I was going to say, I actually spilled the beans and my, I have a new book coming out. Um, it'll, it's online for pre-order right now, but it'll be on sale July, mid-July. And, um, I did see a creature, um, a few years ago, had to wait 20 years to see one, but I believe it was the same creature three different times in the same general area that I could not explain in terms of its size, its, um, its look, its behavior, to have been anything but a Bigfoot. 
And this was in an area with pretty many Bigfoot reports, too. So it wasn't like I was the first one ever. But When was this, Linda? This would have been in 2014. Ah. And it occurred over um, one year. And it was near the the southern unit of the Kettle Moraine State Forest, which I've had reports of Bigfoot from there from the very first early years, 1991-92, when the Beast of Bray Road story came out. People saw enough similarity that they were also writing to me about Bigfoot sightings, many of them in Walworth County and many of them around this Kettle Moraine State Forest, and, and especially um in the surrounding counties, Jefferson and and um, south of Dane County, really, really close to, to Bray Road in terms of drivability, maybe within an hour or so. But they were definitely different animals. And what I saw was not canine, um, was too big to be a dog. It was not a bear. And it was doing something different each time. And each time, there was no way it could have anyone could have anticipated that I would have been walking by there at that time. And strangely enough, nobody else was around to see it at that time either, either, either of those three. One of, the, on one of the times, my husband was driving and we were driving past a field that we always called the, the animal field because there were always deer running across the road or flocks of turkeys. It was very well endowed with animal life that would be great prey. And we always slowed down. It was around this bend because we didn't know what was going to come running out across the street. And this was very near the, the Kettle Moraine, again, if I didn't, didn't mention that. And I looked over, and there had been um, an ice storm. This was in the winter. Very much like we just had an ice storm this past week. It was horrendous here. And I was looking at that, and I could see there was, I thought it was a real big man in wearing a snowmobile suit covered with, with black. Sure. At first. And I could see it real well because the trees were all still frozen white. And this thing was um, like a dusty coal black, and so it showed up against them. And it was um, used, it had a, a big branch of a tree in its hands, and it was pushing it up and down like you would prime a pump, you know, an old-fashioned pump that people might have in their yards. And it was um, right on the edge of a kettle that was in the farmer's field. Uh, these the fields around the edge of the kettle where they turn, gradually turn into farmland, if there's a kettle, you can't get down in there. They're, they're deep spaces. For people who don't know what I'm talking about, when the um, the last ice age passed and the glaciers stopped right there, it was pushing all kinds of silt and rocks and things, and it dug these deep holes out of the ground. And many of them have unusual plants in them. They're full of brandles and that kind of thing. But if you've got one in your field, it would just, most of them are too um, deep and um, costly to fill in. So they're just there in the middle of the field. So this thing, this big black thing, was pushing and pushing and pushing on this branch. I think now it was trying to break it, but at the first time I thought it was, you know, it just looked like somebody trying to prime a pump. And we got close enough and I realized what it was. And I remember screaming, what the heck is that? <laughs> and my husband's like, what? The baseball games or the football game starting. And <laughs> he would not stop. So I had to wait until we went home. He went in uh, the house, and I backed up and drove right back there. And by then, of course, it was gone. Right. And I actually found the landowner and got permission to go and look at it and brought a couple of investigator friends within a couple of days, and we went and 
looked at it as best we could, but more snow had it had filled in, you know, so you couldn't really see anything. Yeah, that was actually the the last sighting. I would have been freaked out if I were you. Well, you know, when you're in a car and you're driving past, and this thing is, and and like I said, I had seen it two other times. Um, one was in once was in that same field, and I was driving by myself. I think I think this was the first one. I was driving past it myself in the car, and I saw this big stump. This was like fall. So I think it was just the fall before that. There was this big black stump, not all that far from the road. Maybe, maybe I was like a hundred yards or so. It was, it was not, that sounds like too much. I, I don't, I have it written down somewhere so I won't forget, but I don't have that note right in front of me. But it was easy to see. It was maybe one football field. I'll say that. That's easier to say. And it was maybe about 40 feet from where that field dropped down into a kettle full of trees and things. And it looked like the stump of a tree with a weird branch sticking up. And it was odd where the bottom of the stump was meeting the ground. I could see it looked like there were roots or something coming out from it because there was just a little bit of chaff. It had been a cornfield, and all that was left was this bit of chaff. And I looked at it, and just as I passed a bush that sort of blotted it from my sight, I thought, there's no stump there. I drive by this you know, eight times a week, and I would have seen a stump. It's just that when you notice something that is um, puzzling to you, your brain starts going to work on what things that it could be. Of course, you yeah. Know, until you realize what it is. And I screeched on the brakes. I backed up as fast as I could. This could have only taken like a couple of seconds because I was just barely past it. Just the amount it would take to brake, put it in reverse, back up, and it was gone. Now, if it had been a bear, because I, I, realized, I realized that it what looked like a weird branch must have been its arm partially upraised. And what looked like weird um, bottom of the tree trunk was actually its feet kind of splayed so that it could be in this halfway crouching position and then just take off and bound into um, the brush. Well, people have described this behavior. of it's, They describe it like kids playing statues where they freeze, you know. And probably... Most people would have just driven by and not thought about it because when something's just motionless and it looks like a thing that is natural to the area yeah. and mm-hmm. you're not looking for Bigfoot, as I always was, you probably would just drive by it and it would be a very effective uh, sort of screening thing. But it had to be almost supernaturally fast to have bounded down into that ravine-like opening just in those couple of seconds. And I, I think if it had been a bear, it would have just been, it wouldn't have played possum or statues. They just don't do that. A bear just goes where it wants to, basically. And trots off or runs off. It's a good thing you weren't any closer, Linda. (laughs) Yeah. And again, I was on the road in my car. So I was, I was just fascinated. I just wanted to see it and take a picture. And of course it was gone. The first one, or the, yeah, it would have been the first one, I guess, because this was, um, probably in June, it was about four feet of hay in a different field that I was walking past. In the morning, I had just decided on a whim to take a walk. I lived in that neighborhood, and I did not even have a phone with my phone with me or anything. I thought, I'm just going to take a 15-minute walk, get get my blood cells going so I can write and, you know, think and that sort of thing. It was quite early in the morning. So I walked up to the top of this hill where this one field was, and I headed toward that one because they had, that field had, 
cranes nesting in it much of the time. And often they would be walking out toward the road, and they were pretty tame. You could get real close to them, which probably made them good prey, because that day I did not see any cranes. But right at the spot where their nest was, was this big, lumpy black head sticking out of this four-foot-high hay. And it, the sun was behind it. It was it was morning, and so I couldn't see its facial features. But it looked like a head, like a roundish head, and then moved out onto very large shoulders. And I could see the shoulders and the head staring at me. And this one was closer, I think, than the other ones. And there was nothing between me and it, no car or anything. Oh, my God. And I, at first, when I first saw it, I had that same stupid reaction, like, I was thinking, why is there a fence post in the middle of that field? What farmer would do that? And then I glanced over at the fence, and I realized it had much smaller. I mean, it, it did have kind of rounded fence posts, which is why I thought of that. But they were only about a third of the width or diameter, and they were like a weathered gray. And you could tell they were wood. And I glanced back at it, and as soon as I looked back at it, it slowly sank down into the hay. And then I knew what it was. Mm. And I backed up and just walked backwards until I was sure that I didn't see any grass rippling coming toward me. And then I turned around and hurriedly went to my house. (laughs) Smart. (laughs) Well, I don't know if it's smart. It's an innate fear response, I think. I I wasn't going to wade into a hay field. I'm only five foot one myself. It would have almost, you know, covered me up. It would have ate you, yeah. Yeah. And so... um, so I didn't. But, again, each one that I saw had the exact same color fur. It was kind of a soft coal black. The rounded head, um, about the same size, very thick in the, thick muscular in the arms, you know, the, what, whatever I could see of it each time. It wasn't like a skinny thing. It was, it was well endowed with muscle. And, um, af- after those three sightings, I never saw it again, even though I was looking avidly for it. But um, the only possible thing that came close would have been um, a bear of some kind. But the bear just has a very different build to it. And they're actually on YouTube. I search for the possible um, other alternate ideas all the time. And sure. I, did find, I did find a picture of a bear that was in some kind of tall grass that did lower itself down into the grass, just like that thing did. But the ears were plainly visible. The big triangular face was a dead giveaway. Um, the lack, bears don't have shoulders either. They have kind of down-sloping um, limbs that and, and chest area that are meant to be for a four-legged animal rather than something that would, um, you know, swing around. Their, our arms are built very differently. And I would have known. I, I My dad grew up in uh, northern Wisconsin. I spent a lot of time there. I've seen bears out in the wild. There are some big, big black bears out in Alaska. Oh yeah. Oh my yeah, those, goodness. And 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 the I mean they're almost as big as the brown Kodiaks. But the black bears in Wisconsin can also get very large. Yeah. And especially down in southern Wisconsin, there's a lot for them to eat. Those are know? just extremely dangerous like a wild moose. Yeah, they are. And they don't, they don't live in southern. It's too well populated here for them, although a few are seen every now and then. You know, I could name times when a bear was seen going through here. And uh, even an hour, an hour away in Madison, Wisconsin, a few years ago, um, some people had a bear up in a tree in their backyard. So we know they're going through, but 
again, each time you saw these pictures, you knew it was a bear. And bears don't mind if you take their pictures. These other things somehow totally elude having their photos taken. They just don't like the close-ups. So I, I can't, I just have never been able to pin them as anything but a Bigfoot, and that's what I, I have to accept that they are. And I actually had kept it quiet for a long time because, um, it's sort of, it seems, I'm well aware that it seems sort of convenient that I write books about these things, and then I do get to see some, you know. But again, I remind people that it was 20 years after beginning to study these things that I waited. And constantly, 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 everywhere I looked, everywhere I went, watching for them. So I had the mindset and the longitude. And I had learned a lot. I mean, I, I read as many other um, books about them as I can, too. So I am um, studied well up on their behavior and can recognize when it's doing something that many other people have described because I think that makes it more likely. Yeah, and by the way, Speaking of, of footage, I believe it was just only two days ago, I recall Fox News put an article up of uh, hunters who claim to see Bigfoot out in uh, Utah, and they have uh, footage of this. Yeah, I saw that. Oh, you saw They're, it? Uh, pardon? I said, oh, you saw that. Oh, I, well, I heard about it as well. Okay. I, I saw, saw it like in the papers. I did not see the creature itself. I was like, but oh, my goodness. I think the same thing is happening. I think that more and more people are aware and where they would have just automatically dismissed it as a cow or a bear or something, they're now understanding what is out there and accepting it when they see something that if it looks like a Bigfoot, runs like a Bigfoot, growls and howls like a Bigfoot, it could be a Bigfoot. It might be, yeah. That's very insane. And one of the stories about Bigfoot that I heard many, many moons ago is the story of Zana, the Russian Bigfoot. Oh yeah. Have you ever written about that? I I have read about that. I was one of the I one of the first things I really got that made me interested in the field because supposedly um she mated with a human. At least one human, right. yeah. At least one human and had descendants. And supposedly the people who went there um, found a, a descendant. And it behaved as a human pretty much, um, looked a little different. But if everybody's um, perceptions of the Bigfoot, when you... And there, there are really lots of books that describe very well and you see the the same behaviors over and over and over again the looks and the behaviors um they're so consistent and to me they're really close to human that looks like a bigfoot well i mean but the i think bigfoots in general are genetically close to human oh well of course yes i i, yeah. I was looking at a photo just now of zana the quote unquote wild woman as they nicknamed her right that just looks like a Neanderthal or a Bigfoot? Yeah. Uh, and I think, well, we're, we're definitely close to Neanderthal because right. we, we almost all of us, uh, with the exception of uh, people from some parts of Africa, have Neanderthal DNA in us. And um, I think that the Bigfoots, I'm not sure you could relate them to Neanderthal because 
they're so much bigger. You know, the Neanderthals weren't all that much taller than us. They were sturdier. Um, but I think we're still talking about, you know, talking about them as maybe mm-hmm. subspecies of humans. Very close, but, but just different. Yeah, it's so weird. But yeah, that, that story is very fascinating. If, if anyone is interested, just look up Zana, the Russian Bigfoot, and you'll get a lot of really uh, detailed description of, of how the villagers were treating her. It's right. kind of, yeah, it's not very positive. No, no, she was not treated as, you know, <laughs> not a at all. Celebrity or anything. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but, um, no, it's, it's one of the very few instances where modern day people have had a close up look at, um, what others see as a different creature, different humanoid creature, hominid, human. That's okay. <laughs> I, I don't have that, I don't have the exact, um, one of those, but no, a, hum, a human like creature is probably what says it best. And perhaps much more human than we realize. Right. And of course, going back to current stories, there was another story just uh, put out there not too long ago when a, a three-year-old by the name of Casey Hathaway was found out in North Carolina, if I recall. Right. Right. And he said that he had been watched over all night by a bear. Mm-hmm. That's how the story went. A purple yeah. bear. Yeah. And... I just can't see a black bear doing that. Bears don't do that. They don't. No, no. They're very opportunistic. It's true that they very seldom attack humans. But if you're a bear and you're out there and you're hungry and you see this three-year-old uh, human kid, and he, I can't see that unless it was maybe a lactating female who had lost her cubs and felt the urge to be maternal, but a three-year-old, probably wouldn't nurse anyway. That's the only thing I can think of that might motivate a bear to watch over and take care of a human child overnight. But Isn't there that, are many. That, that's so crazy. Yeah, it, that's just such a wild story. And Linda, of course, I'm an open-minded skeptic. There's certain cryptids that I definitely don't believe in. Bigfoot was sort of one of those that I didn't have complete faith in at all. And... It goes back to, of course, watching TV shows, uh, knowing very well that they're not actually going to find the Bigfoot, but that didn't exactly help my uh, belief in them at all. But right. when you hear something like this, your mind has to wonder, what if there really is something like that out there? Yeah, you have to, you know, and I mean, there are many, uh, I won't say many, but uh, a surprising number of reports of incidents where people were taken care of or felt that Bigfoot was friendly to them. I had one reported to me from a woman who lived in northern Wisconsin who was out with her sister, and they were driving home, and they had a a flat tire or something. And uh, she had been drinking, and she needed to use the bathroom. So while her sister was trying to figure out the tire, she went uh, a few feet away down the uh, embankment that was next to the highway and just kind of passed out and she said the next thing she knew something huge was carrying her back up the embankment and laid her down right next to the car and she said 
she was afraid to open her eyes because she knew what it was. Um, but she yeah. was sure it, it felt like she was being carried by Bigfoot. And there, what else could pick pick up? Um, she was a full-grown teenager. You know, it wasn't a little tiny girl. She full-grown teenager who had been out drinking. Uh, and I said, I met her in person. She told me the story in person. And she was just certain that's what it was. She could feel the fur and, you know, kind of bad breath and hear the heavy footsteps. And then it, and her sister never saw it at all. Yeah, that's what I like about talking to people that have had these experiences, uh, like at a conference per se. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you hear these people on the radio and you don't exactly know if they're being genuine or disingenuous of their story. And then you actually meet them and, and see them face to face, eye to eye. And that's right. when, yeah, and that's, mm-hmm, that's when everything sort of changes. It does, you know, and you just, why would people make it up? Every once in a while, you know, a group, often they're young men, late, uh, teenagers in their late teen years or in their early twenties. But, uh, and they're doing it just for, for fun. But most people are just so dead serious and many of them have been walking around carrying these reports inside of them and being afraid to tell anybody because typically they'll go and tell some loved one or um, a good friend about it and just get laughed out of the place and vow never to mention it again. Or they're in denial. That very often happens too. And what I hear over and over again when people call me or write me, they'll just say, you know, you can print this or not. I don't (laughs) care. It's just that I wanted to tell it to someone who wouldn't say I was crazy. Yeah. Understood. Yeah, it, it's always different when you actually experience something yourself. Uh, something I saw that was very strange out in the middle of the country was a something I could only describe as a chupacabra, and that was that was in the year 2010 when they actually found something like that out in Texas. And of course, I'm out here in Southern California. So when I saw that, I kind of aligned these stories together, and I thought, wow, that's that's uh, pretty strange, because I'm looking at the photo, or I did at the time, and it had the same characteristics. The very Is that the Texas Blue Dog? Correct. It looked very much like that. Yeah, and they, they didn't look at all like the Puerto Rican chupacabras no. that we first talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the Texas Blue Dogs were obviously natural animals and alive because there was a woman who, well, it, it had been raiding her chicken coop and um, she was able to uh, catch one and she found one that was killed by, a, killed by a car. She had the DNA done so she knew what it actually was. She had its head in her freezer for a long time. She keeps the stuffed one in her living room and she's been on several TV shows. Dr. Phyllis Canyon is her name. I interviewed her personally too. And those Texas blue dogs are weird because they're hairless, and so people think they have mange, but um, they have their skin has sort of a bluish sheen to it, whereas something with mange it'll look pinkish gray and oily. Unfortunately, I've seen it at close range, and I and I know. But they had weird things. Uh, they had these big pads on their rear ends on either side of the buttocks that don't seem to fill any function. Um, they're not glands. They're just strange. There's even um, some footage of a police car with their dash cam. Yeah, that's exactly what I saw. It looked just like that, Linda. 
Yeah, chasing it. Whereas the ones in Puerto Rico that were originally called chupacabras, which means it sucks goats, right? Because they were they were fi- found um, goat sucker. Chasing, yeah, goat sucker taking all the blood out of these animals and little, if any, of the flesh, just maybe a few little um, incidental uh, strands of that something. Was, that was back in 93, and I recall even seeing T-shirts like that out here. There were, yeah. And actually, they were first seen about 20 years earlier than that, so they had been around, For too, a while, if, you, yeah. if you read some of the Spanish reports. And they were very different looking because they were almost like half reptilian, half mammalian. Mm-hmm. Those who got a close-up look saw these kind of uh, things that they described as like soda, photo, excuse me, soda straws that would evidently puncture the the skin of these animals so that they could just kind of suck them dry like you were sucking soda out of a straw. And sometimes they were seen with um, wings. Sometimes they were seen with these spines that might have been retractable that went down their went down the length of their back. Yeah, like spikes um, and large claws, yeah. right? Yeah, and they weren't necessarily huge animals either. They weren't, I, I don't think they were even as big as the Texas blue dogs. So they were something apart, and they were also very often connected with UFO sightings. So there was a lot of speculation back then in the 90s, especially as to whether there were aliens, you know, dropping the, these things off to um, sample the land, or um, if they were pets that were being allowed to, or, or they were setting up a new, uh, it was aliens, here's the, the wildest one, aliens dropping them off to set up a new, um, some herds of them so that when the aliens came there to live, they could eat these creatures, which don't sound very edible to me. <laughs> but, yeah. So and who, who knows, who really knows, but there do seem to have been associations with UFOs, and maybe some of that is unavoidable because during those years, um, we did have a very active naval base. It closed sometime in the 2000s, but back then it was it was quite active in Puerto Rico. And I interviewed a man who was a, a pilot back in those days and worked for the Navy in Puerto Rico. And he told me personally that um, he saw, they, they would regularly see discs coming up out of the waters like um, at an angle. And sometimes they would be quite close. At one time, they would watch them through the cameras that were mounted in the gun turrets that that they commonly followed them with as they came out of the water. And he said one time they could see heads in what were like portholes along the side of these discs coming up out of the water. Wow. And and, um, that another, one of the men, his job there was to travel around and repay um, upset islanders for um, damages that were believed to have been done by uh, United States vehicles, which really were not these vehicles. And he said he went along on a ride-along with one of these guys one day, and they had to visit this farmer who was hopping mad because there was this huge circle of burnt vegetation in his farmyard. And lying just outside that circle was half of a cow. Oh and my. then inside the circle was, you know, the, the burnt-up crispies, what was left of that cow. And uh, it just looked like something landed boom, on this this farmer's uh, field, kind of burned up what was under it, and the cow happened to be there at the time. So um, this pilot, who was um, very well thought of, he was retired and working for a smaller airport at that time. And actually, I had been sent just to interview him about his job as a small airlines pilot for this resort 
And when he got done, I said, would you just please tell me, because he had mentioned being in the Navy in Puerto Rico at that time, and I said, can you tell me if you saw UFOs at all while you were there? And then he just kind of spilled it, like almost like he'd been waiting to tell somebody about this but couldn't. Yeah, that's really interesting. I was just about to ask you if you have ever run across various stories that have overlapped, uh, for example, the paranormal or UFOs or ghosts, and you just answered that. That was a good example. Yeah, it occasionally happens. Um, and some of the things that are that look like upright canines are obviously phantom or astral projections or something because there's a certain small percentage where people wake up and it's not like the um, the usual uh, dream phenomena where you you feel your par- you wake up you're paralyzed you know and there's something sitting on your chest that kind of sleep paralysis right old old hag old sleep hag paralysis syndrome, right. it's not like that people will wake up entirely and they'll see one or two dogs just kind standing on their hind legs often describe them as like Anubis with the tall black ears shiny black fur just kind of looking around and um, normally they'll just it's like they own your place. They'll look around, and then they'll either walk through the side of the house or go out the, the door or just vanish. And um, it's surprising how many of these show up. There's another category called shadow wolves where people – I have one whole family in Tennessee that saw a shadow wolf, which is like a two-dimensional shape of a large black wolf. You can tell it's two-dimensional because when it turns – it's had to look at you. It's like looking at the edge of a piece of cardboard is what they say. This whole family saw it, and one of the women had a broom and kind of ran toward it menacingly and chased it into the <laughs> woods, just went leisurely. But I've had the same exact thing described to me here in Wisconsin, one around Eau Claire, um, a couple of them not far from that Kettle Moraine State Forest, again, very recently, from people who never heard of one another or the phenomenon. They just wanted to know what in the world was that big, Two-dimensional black wolf-like thing that they sure. saw running across the road. Very interesting. And by the way, do you have a specific favorite in terms of cryptids? Favorite in terms of cryptid? Well, you know, surprisingly, it isn't exactly the dog band. I mean, it's it's what I'm most associated with, and have probably received the most reports about. People love the dog man, yeah. They do, and I'm very fascinated. But um, I really have come to kind of like Bigfoot better. Ooh. So maybe it's because it's easier to interact with, and I think there are many more of them than there are of the dog man. Bigfoot and won your heart. Pardon? Bigfoot won your heart. Sort of, yeah. Understood. I mean, I, I still, you know, people ask me how you should respond when you see one of these creatures, if you are lucky to see one. And I just say with great respect, even more respect than you would to a known animal, because yeah. something like a bear or whatever, we kind of know what they're going to do. Um, my husband was stalked by a, a mountain lion, and he was terrified. Oh, my you know, God. But, but luckily he knew. Uh, they come. It was a year when they were known and DNA acknowledged to have come through right where our backyard was. And he was stalked across the whole acre of our backyard. And he was frightened. But yet what scares the witnesses the most are when they see these creatures that it's not so much they're afraid of being eaten. It's the realization that there are things that we cannot recognize as normal creatures. They don't know what they are. And when you're facing the unknown, that's even more frightening than when you're facing known dangers. Because at least, at least there's something you may be able to deal with. When it's unknown, you know, cards are all wild. You have no idea what's going to happen. And that deeply, deeply frightens people and stays with them. It really does. 
all these sort of things will definitely stick with you. And uh, Linda, I'm not quite sure if anyone's ever asked, well, maybe they have, but I don't think I've ever asked you about things like cattle mutilation. Yeah, um, that happens. <laughs> and, uh, if you, if you read my last book, Monsters Among Us, I, um, kind of went through the several years that I've been helping and assisting with a retired Chicago math teacher who bought some acreage out at Bray Road unsuspectingly to produce hay for his horses uh, back in northern Illinois. And he had a number of various types of mutilations of different things. Um, I haven't there, heard too many stories. I, I'm just curious. That's why I brought it up. Yeah, you don't always hear about them. I know other farmers, too. They don't want it known. Uh-huh. They don't want they don't want their properties thought of as that way. They're afraid of it themselves. Um, but I do look back. I'm still continually looking for ex- explanations from natural animals. And one thing that I had been surprised by was that um, there was a farmer from mid middle northern Wisconsin. Um, I got it from a friend from a friend who sent me this picture of um, a black Angus uh Cattle. I don't know exactly how old it was, but its ears had been it had been eaten away, and its tongue was missing. It something had gone in. You can see and, and torn out the tongue, and I had an, and the neck was sort of broken, and I had a very similar one from Wisconsin, almost identical in the same way. And what I have learned actually since then, just came across this actually about a month ago while I was looking up something else. I found out that. You can tell a mountain lion bite from a jaguar's bite because the jaguars will go after, they'll eat the ears and the tongue. And the mountain lion will open up the front, kind of go around the ribs, and go for the heart and the liver. And so here I had two photographs of what was a perfect jaguar kill in Wisconsin where there aren't supposed to be any jaguars. But there's a very, uh, very close to that first photo I mentioned um, is an area where there are many, many black pantherish creatures, large uh, mountain lion-sized black creatures. Black mountain lions are not supposed to exist. So I have a whole chapter on this in my next book coming out, which is called I Know What I Saw. Nice. After, well, it's just I have quotes from people saying that. They just, they're, they're so adamant that they've seen these things. So here we have another mystery. You think, oh, well, it's just a mountain lion, but yet the scientists tell us there are no black mountain lions. No. And that the jaguars live down in Mexico, maybe um, slightly trespassing into New Mexico now and then, and maybe down into um, what's left of some of the rainforest jungles, but not up in Wisconsin. And yet, here we're showing this yeah. kind of depredation that belongs to jaguars. So there's almost an equal mystery there. Yeah, it's very wild. And, of course, there was a mountain lion attack just recently out here in uh, California. Um, was that the one? Now there, there was a, there's there's one, one in, yeah, there was one in Colorado and I believe there was another one in California as well. Yeah, there have been a couple. Plus there was one on, um, went viral on YouTube yesterday in, um, I'm trying to remember where this was. I think that was California where, um, a deer came running and jumped into a swimming pool and out of the brush, brush followed a mountain lion and it jumped right into the pool too. The deer managed to get out and the mountain lion got back out. Um, and you don't know what happened, but somebody said, well, I bet that mountain lion was waiting in the brushes for that deer someplace. But you never did see exactly how it ended. So, yeah, there have been, um, they've been getting closer and closer to human 
um, habitat and are habituating. Um, there's another story that I think it was Seattle, I'm not sure, um, not that long ago, maybe a couple of years, where a family was sitting and eating their breakfast, um, children and, and mother, and they had a little Lhasa Apso, which I have a Lhasa Apso, small dog, if you don't know exactly what they are, and they sent him out in the backyard every morning. They did the same thing he, to do his job and then come back in. They sent him out there. He trotted out to the middle of the yard, and suddenly, almost from nowhere, this mountain lion just came charging, swooped him up, ran off into the trees, and they never saw the little guy oh, again. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. yeah. But the, the chilling part is that it was probably, you know, casing the place out for days. Oh, yeah. What time that little dog was going to be out there and when it, where it went, and it was ready. These things are very strategic. They are. They're very clever, very, very, very elusive. In fact, many um, scientific articles you'll find um, titled something, they call them ghost cats, not because they think there's anything paranormal about them, but because they behave like ghosts. You see them one, one, one second, you see them the next second, you don't. They're so elusive, um, most of the time they're not seen, and then they disappear from certain areas. So um, I also, I'll make this little announcement with Going with my new book, I have something, uh, a first uh, a documentary that I'm making with um, my son, who is a um, filmmaker. Um, oh, it's amazing. Called, yeah, it's called Great Great Ghost Cats of Baraboo Hills. Baraboo Hills is kind of the area in Wisconsin. And we're pretty well done with um, most of the shooting. We're just doing the editing now. So, And that will complement the chapter on it in my book. I know what I saw because I have a big chapter on this huge mountain lion area where half of the ones reported are, are black, but they're not supposed to be. And most of the DNR and, and um, game people are denying that they're there at all. So it, it's, again, kind of, but we have tons. We just have tons and tons and tons of witnesses. So I didn't um, know your son did that. He's quite talented. He went to the School of the Art Institute of oh. Chicago. Okay. Uh, with uh, double emphasis in film and painting. So, um, yeah, so this is the first chance we've had to actually work together. That's really project. cool, yeah. Yeah, and my husband is the producer. Oh, love that. <laughs> I, I <laughs> do enjoy that. <laughs> he has to drive us around and, and, and look things up and that kind of thing. So it, it's kind of fun to do do things like that with your family. Yeah. I really, really wanted the story that these people are telling to be told and known. Very so, nice. When, when that releases, Linda, please tell me, and I'll, I'll put it up on my website for you. Well, you can you can watch for it on lindagodfrey.com. I'll have a big notice. It's supposed to the the film we're looking for in June. Actually, both both of, both of the things we're looking for in June, but we will have a very frightening trailer put up in a few weeks. And you can either again look for it on lindagodfrey.com or our production title uh, company is called White Lhasa L H A S A studios and you can watch watch for white loss of studios that'll be coming up very nice and going back to the cryptid side of things in terms of violent encounters are there any stories that stick out in your mind violent encounters uh, between any cryptids cri- any cryptids yeah i'm wondering if there are any stories where people were physically harmed well that that actually did happen to a colleague of mine while I was um, having a, a walkthrough with him in the Kettle Marine State Forest. And I tell this story, too, in, in the new book. And um, he's been, he's pretty experienced. He's been at this stuff for a long time. His name is Jay Bachochin. 
And we were just having a walkthrough on a part of the, the forest where I'd kind of been hearing some people hearing weird things and I just wanted to check it out. And so we were walking down this path. It's one of probably the, the lesser traveled areas in, in the park. It's not the main, not the main uh, trails. But it was really quiet that day. Um, it was just kind of a calm autumn. The leaves were off of the, the trees and we weren't hearing much or anything. And I kind of idly shook a little tree, not to hurt it, but right, right on the side of the aisle. I just gave it a little shake and I, I said, you know, gorillas, uh, take signs, uh, take shaking trees as a sign of aggression or something. Maybe, maybe if we shook a tree a little bit, something would come. And he's, Jay's very good natured and he, he found a little bigger tree and he's, like I said, I'm five foot one. He's over six feet tall. So he can shake a tree, you know, much better than I can. So he reached up and was giving this tree a good shake. It was just a deciduous tree. No, there were no, um, leaves left on it, nothing there. And I was kind of, I was watching him and behind him was, kind of a low brush area that then changed into a high brush area a ways back. So I had a pretty clear field of sight. And all of a sudden, he stopped shaking and he yelled, ow, and put his hand up to his head. He was wearing um, kind of a thick baseball cap, but not really any great protection. Yeah. And he said, something hit me <laughs> and said it felt like a rock. And I was kind of laughing. You know, There was nothing around on the ground. There was maybe uh, several inches of uh, forest detritus lying, you know, mm-hmm. ground-up leaves and that kind of thing. So we never did exactly find the rock, but it, his head started swelling up in that spot, and we left, and he actually had a concussion, it turned out. Oh. He, he barely was able to find his way home. Oh, my. Driving. Yeah, and, so, and something really did hit him, and um, Bigfoot, of course, are notorious for throwing rocks. Yeah, they throw rocks, I heard, and knock on Usually trees. Usually they don't hit people, and a friend of mine who's something of a Bigfoot expert in, in uh, Maine, told me that I was telling her about this incident. And she said, you mean the rock hit him? And I said, yes. And she said, well, if he hit him with the rock, he meant to kill him. Jesus, damn Bigfoot. Yeah, well, you know, and that scared me because, um, not to mention my, my anguish over my friend Jay being, you know, hurt by the rock, I was thinking, well, if he was down for the count, there I am out in the middle of this very long trail back, with a long road back to the car, and, you know, nothing to, between me and any, whatever, through the <laughs> rock. So, um, you know, I was glad that we had made it out safely. And I don't recommend shaking a tree. We do, And again, I must stress, we weren't doing it hard enough to harm the tree or anything, just to make a little swooshing sound. I wouldn't try it. I really would not. By the way, Linda, there seems to be a lack of good Bigfoot movies. Have you noticed that? You mean since Harry and Henderson's was made? Correct. That was the last good one. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, that, one, that one's goofy. I do like that movie. I it love that one, yeah. And I don't know why that is. It's You'd, you'd have to really um, create the Bigfoot. You know, you, you just can't put something in a suit anymore and get away with it because people are too sophisticated. They've seen too many depictions of Bigfoot. They know what it's supposed to look like. You know, it would have to be uh, computer-generated. And there would have to be a, a good big story to it. And, you know, I, I don't know why nobody's come up with, you know, something super. I mean, people do claim that the Wookiee, of course, in Star Wars is supposed to be Bigfoot. And, but nobody comes out and says that. Right. So why it is, I'm not sure. There's, you know, Dogman, Wolfman movies galore. Actually, I take that back. There is one that's called Exist. I, I forgot all about it. It was It came out in 2014, I believe. Hmm. I mean, it's not the the best, but it's 
pretty violent. Well, yeah, and you know that's the the trouble with having a story like that is um, to make the story sensational. Oftentimes, violence comes into it that isn't really reported in actual sightings. Usually, there's, there's very little of it, um, if if any. So. I always have mixed feelings about those. It's fun to watch them, but I don't like to see anything misrepresented in any way. Right. So. Understood. Very interesting. And, of course, are there any cryptids that you rule out completely? For example, I've, like I said, I've, I've been on the fence with Bigfoot, but hearing that story about the, the boy, it sort of changed my mind slightly. Yeah, I think it made a lot of people sit up and take notice because Nobody thinks that a bear would do that. Very few people. Now, I have had a, a letter from a girl who got lost in the woods in Hawaii and swore that a dog man helped her, helped, helped keep her warm and lead her out the next day. And she seemed perfectly normal otherwise, and she said she's always been afraid to tell people, but she said it was definitely a dog man. It was not Bigfoot. Also, the Loch Ness Monster, I have sort of ruled that out long ago and when i was just a little boy i was reading about these things and the loch ness monster was always something that interested me for such a long time and as the years went on i started believing less and less of the loch ness monster sadly yeah you know it's funny i've heard different people say that lately um i like to think that there are under under earth tunnels and and bodies of water and things that we really can't even detect with our with present instrumentation where perhaps these things could go you know when for instance there was a really well-known one in Lake Geneva Wisconsin in the uh, from ni- around 1900 to maybe 1925 or so um that many people saw including one very well respected minister um some once in a while people would attempt to row out to it or would just come chasing them back to shore um, there were people, tourists coming from Chicago to, to try and have their look at it. But what happened after that time frame was um, electric motors started coming into Vogue and the lake traffic increased greatly. And that's when the water monster went away. But even the Native Americans who lived there, there was a Potawatomi tribe um, living in that area um, right about settlement time. And they told stories of, of the water beast that was in there. And they considered that lake, which happens to be the second deepest in Wisconsin, and fed by freshwater springs. Um, they considered that a very sacred area, and they believed that these serpents and monsters came from the freshwater springs, which were a bridge to another to the spirit world, or some people today might say um, another dimension or another realm, you know, however you want to put it, and that they could go come and go back and forth. And they also believed this, the ones that I've talked to personally, that um, that's where Bigfoot and Dogman came from as well, and that they could go back at will, and that's why you didn't find dead ones. Yeah, that's a good story, <laughs> an explanation <laughs> well, it, of it. it. It's legend, you know, It's but it's also what they believe in many ways, and, and more than one uh, tribe has told me the same story. Not all do exactly, because our indigenous people are not monolithic in their beliefs. They, you know, they have very vibrant separate cultures, um, in, in every case, but many have told me the same thought, thought and belief about the fresh underwater springs and that being where the water monsters came and went. Understood. And what is your opinion on Skinwalker Ranch? 
Um, well, the farm, I, the farm I was telling you about earlier that is um, told about in Monsters Among Us, yeah. I call Mini Skinwalker Ranch because mm. it had, over the years, displayed so many of the same inexplicable characteristics. Um, strange, furry, black creatures showing up in trail cams, but you never quite get the whole body or the face. Very strange lights. I've had my own experiences out there with witnesses at the same time. Um, mutilated animals, um, animals that were in positions they shouldn't have been able to take. Just all kinds of weird, really weird things. And so I'm thinking if these phenomena could exist and I, in a place where I've experienced them in Wisconsin, I can't say that they wouldn't have happened in Utah in that um, very well-known case in the Skinwalker Ranch where all those things and, and much more happened on a much larger scale, of course. Oh, yes. You hear all sorts of strange stories come from that place. Mm-hmm. Never know. And, you know, one of my favorite cryptids is the Mongolian death worm. I even sometimes like to believe that the movie Tremors from way back in the day. Oh, one of my favorites, Kevin Bacon. Yeah, Kevin Bacon. He, he was the man in that movie. So young. He was. He so was. Young. That, that was a really good monster movie. I, I still I loved it. it. I, you know, anytime it's on, I have to watch it. I do too. <laughs> I gotta watch it. Yeah, it's a great movie. It really is. And there is an, there's another one. Well, there was a latest one that came out called Tremors, A Cold Day in Hell. Did you ever see that one? No, because I was afraid I'd be disappointed. And I, I just like to carry the aura of that one wonderful <laughs> movie with me and, you know, not spoil yes. it for me. Yeah. They had a, the actor, a Jamie Kennedy in that movie, and I thought, oh no, this, this movie, it's over now. Yeah, yeah, I, it's, uh. Part two wasn't that bad. No, well that's good. Good to hear that. Yeah, it's called Tremors 2 Aftershocks. Uh, it still has one of the, the original guys in, well two of the original guys in there, minus Kevin Bacon though. Right, right. Yeah, it, yeah. not, not so bad. <laughs> I did. I think I did see it once and kind of promptly forgot it. So. Well, yeah, it's not that great, obviously. <laughs> but <laughs> Tremors one, the first one, obviously uh, amazing, and of course the rest uh, not so good. But Kevin Bacon, I'm really surprised because you know he started he started started doing very um, serious roles, but of course he he has been in a couple of interesting films along his career. Yeah, he has, and um, he had a very lovely daughter. I, I don't know if you've ever seen. Now we're getting out into non-cryptid things here. I don't want to go too far off base, okay. but but um, she, I know she had a role in that series, TV series Closers, and uh, she she turned out to be the daughter also of the star of that show, and she was the perp. But she really had a lot of Kevin Bacon uh, facial features, mm-hmm. and it was just so fun. I remember watching that show and comparing her to. You could just see dear old dad, you know, and she was a very pretty girl. Um, you know, it was, so anyway, but I don't want to get too far off of your base. No, Kevin Bacon's right. great. I, I really think a lot of people like him. Don't worry. And I'm he, a, I'm a big fan, so I don't mind talking about him and, and the movie Hollow Man. That's another one I loved from him. That one, believe it or not, I did not see. How dare you? <laughs> I know. Why didn't you see that one? It's actually pretty good. Uh, well, someday I may. You should. I just, yeah. I think you'll yes. like it. Not too bad. Pop- Probably will, probably yeah. will. But I will say that if you see the the movie titled The Beast of Bray Road, not mm-hmm. to be confused with any number of good documentaries. There was a real Small Town Monsters recently did a really good documentary on, they called it The Bray Road Beast. And right, I'm right. in it, and uh, Lee's in it with his corn, with his uh, hayfield, the, the guy with the farm, mm-hmm. and a bunch of other people. I highly recommend Small Town Monsters, 
Railroad Beast. But there have been several documentaries done recently. The original movie called Beast of Bray Road is total fiction. It lest anybody think that may, they, they say based on a true story, but they didn't really care. <laughs> based as about as loosely as you can possibly <laughs> use it in the English language. That's so funny. And of course, Linda, there's another one, another cryptid I, I always sort of ruled out, but it's been around for so long, and that's the Jersey Devil. Yeah, that's a real oldie but goodie, and the Pine Barrens of New Jersey. And it has these very old legends, one going back to like the Revolutionary War yeah. times, I think, where there was supposed to be a woman who had too many children, like 13 children, and um, the youngest one turned out to be this sort of devilish mm-hmm. looking thing and ended up uh, eating his family and then trudging off into the prime, Pine Barrens. And now he's often, there's another alternate legend that it was something that was um, spawned at a scientific research center. Um, and I've heard different versions of it but usually it's something about this this scientist that somehow gets mixed partly into one and he runs off into the forest and becomes the jersey devil but many bus i mean many many people in in, a, in one case a busload at one time saw this thing that looked like um sort of like the the chupacabra from puerto rico with the the, the spines and yeah i was gonna say that's kind of yeah. like that's kind of yeah, like the jersey the, devil yeah yeah they both very much are, are similar so mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't know what that was. If there, you had asked earlier if there was one that I thought maybe wasn't that that the Jersey Devil is one that I I've looked askance at. I can't say that it's not real. I mean, certainly there are plenty of these other cryptids that sound like they couldn't exist. So I I never say never, but if I had to pick one, that might be one that I'd look at. Partly because the the legends are so different about it, and it's it's contradicted in so many ways, and. And uh, I'm just not sure how to resolve all of that. Yeah, that kind of answers my other question I had in terms of which many monster accounts that have crossed your mind or path you found to be, I guess, the most interesting and worthy of further exploration. Well, um, I did do an investigation in, uh, and again, I I think this was 2006. Um, Yeah, it was. It was 2006. I had a phone call um, from someone in La Crosse. A man and his son had been driving home um, to their house in, in the country north of La Crosse, which is along the Mississippi River, very far western edge of Wisconsin. And they had this thing. They saw this black thing come swooping toward their, their truck windshield, and it got close enough. And this was all happening very fast. But its wingspan, was, it was as wider, wider than their truck. It, it looked like and looked like bat wings. And in the center of it was... If it were a bat, it was a super huge, huge bat because they said it was human-sized, looked more humanoid in its appearance, and as they thought it was just going to crash right into their windshield. But instead, at the last second, it, admit, it emitted this piercing, shrill cry and went straight up, shot straight up into the sky, and then disappeared off behind some trees. And it immediately, something about maybe the, the shriek, I'm not sure, made them both sick. They had to pull over. It was the father and son. The son who had been driving threw up. The father was sick for like two weeks. And I went there and investigated it, looked at the place. It was all over the place uh, where uh, in, in the area where they had seen it. And uh, they both seemed completely um, sober and sane and adamant at what they had seen. I call it the Wisconsin man bat. Well, we've had, and, and then I didn't hear too much else about anything like that until the past couple of years, there started coming um, out of Chicago 
stories of something that looked very similar to that flying around over different parts of the city. And I think, I think there were over a hundred now. My friend Allison Jornland has gone, gone to at least, uh, 60 of the locations. And I, forgive me, Allison, if you hear this, I'm getting the numbers wrong. So I'm just speaking right off the top of my head. But, um, she, as she and other investigators have been doing a really good trying to track these things down, some of them seem like they may have been spoofs. Other ones are very much more difficult to explain. So, um, that's something that's kind of ongoing and undecided yet that uh, I think people are beginning to take more of an, uh, an interest in is these things. But the one, the one that showed up in 2006, um, people are also linking these things to the Ma- Mothman mystery. The Mothman. That's another cryptid that I was just about to ask you. Right, right. And the interesting thing is that, of course, the Mothman was associated with the Silver Bridge collapse. You know, they, people talk about it as if it were sort of a harbinger of doom. And the thing about the, the man bat back in La Crosse, Wisconsin, was that it occurred three days before a drowning in the river near downtown La Crosse, where they've had a steady um, number of college-age men sim- somehow just walking into that river and drowning. And that goes back to the 1800s when a young, doc- when a young doctor did that. And so um, it, it almost seemed as if the man bat were acting as one of these harbingers of, of doom coming. Yeah, it's a, such a creepy description of the Mothman. Yeah, so all of these fly, and these are different, too. They're different than um, Thunderbirds are a different category. Some people think that the things that look like pterosaurs are Thunderbirds, mm-hmm. but if you look at most Native American art depicting Thunderbirds, you'll see that they show more of a raptor like an eagle or a, a hawk-like bird. And then there are other ones that look like great storks. Um, most of the ones that appeared in the 60s in Illinois, including one that allegedly allegedly picked up a young boy and carried him for a few feet before dropping him because everybody was screaming and yelling at, at the bird, they, they were more stork-like. So you've got all these different types. And again, I hate to keep um, mentioning my blog, but I do have uh, a couple of very contemporary sightings of these giant stork-like birds um, at, at com. if somebody's interested in seeing more of those. There's a search box. You can kind of look those things up. Amazing. And, of course, Linda, you've been busy with all sorts of things. This year, would you say you're going to just be completely back against the wall busy? I'd be a little crazy having the, the film and the book come out at the same time. I've already been talking with uh, the publicists from this publishers, uh, the fourth, the fourth book I've had from them, it's a uh, penguin, um, used to be Tartar Perigee was the, um, the label name, but the parent company is, Peng- is Penguin, um, Random House. So they have these wonderful people called publicists who try and figure out how to bring the attention best to the public and, and we've already been having conversations about it. So, yep. And, and then I also, I, I like to go out and do field studies. I've got one that's going on right now that um, I'm just waiting for weather conditions to break to go look at. So I still have to get out there, and I've got people who write me, and I feel obligated to put those things on my website when I get a chance. So, yeah, I, I've had to stop helping school children with their reports on the Beast of Bray Road. I'm sad to announce. <laughs> I just... There's only one of me, and I don't have any assistance or anything like that, and I just really, yes, do have plenty to do. Yeah, and of course conferences, because last year 
I was talking to you, and it seemed like you were at a conference every other weekend. Sometimes it just goes like that, yeah. <laughs> Especially in, in the fall, you know, when it gets toward Halloween and the leaves are falling and the campfires, um, is usually my most popular time. Because That's a good thing, though. It, it is, it is, although it does kind of squash all the fun together in one part of the year. And my slogan, I used to have, I used to have a website called beastabrero.com, which is only partially there anymore, but I opened it with uh, werewolves, they're not just for Halloween anymore. Mm. And really, oh, excuse me, I'm going to have to go in a minute because my voice yes. is starting, starting to leave me here. Understood. But um, they're, they're, these things are really seen at all times of the year, you, which I think testifies a little bit more to the, the, the fact that there's some truth to them because if, if it were just a joke, you would only hear on, on Halloween, but right. the sightings are year-round. Correct. And, Linda, before I send you off here, one question that I seem to get asked by a number of people, strange enough, and I'm, I'm, I'm maybe sure you get it too. Uh, certain listeners of mine, they seem to always ask me if you're going to put out a book on extraterrestrials. I'm not quite sure why, since it's not really down your avenue, but for some reason they kind of want you to go down that route. Well, that's really interesting to hear. I appreciate yeah. that. I'm always, I'm always open to feed, feedback. Um, you know, I don't feel... It's not that I don't know anything about the topic. Sure. I do, and, and um, you know, I've talked to people, like the gentleman that I mentioned earlier, and I've had witnesses tell me things. Um, it's just that I, for me to write a book, I'd have to have a compelling reason hmm. or something that's different, that sheds different light on the subject. And actually, um, there's a little bit about extraterrestrials in this upcoming book, too. Um, my One of my, mater- my maternal grandmother was shown how... UFOs really look and had it explained to her how they work by a woman who worked for a formerly Nazi um, tech tech base um, in the North Sea during World War II. And somehow she became pen pals with my grandmother who had a fifth grade education and lived, you know, was a farm wife. Um, and they became lifelong friends. So I have her little picture. I just thought that was interesting because other things show up at European um, base, former military installations too. Right. Um, often the upright canines. I've got a bunch of those. So since I was onto that to- topic, I threw that in. But so if I have something that relates to my other work and that I think will say something worthwhile and different, I, I may do it. Yeah, but, you'll throw it in there. Yeah. Understood. Well, Linda, I know we don't have too much time here, but I do want to thank you tremendously for being a part of the program. And before I let you go. Definitely plug anything you'd like or say anything you'd like that's just floating around in your mind. Sure. Um, well, again, the main spot for me is lindagodfrey.com. No W's or anything like that. Just plain old lindagodfrey.com. I have different pages. There's one that lists my, lists my books, um, which are available at most online venues and, and some um, book, brick and mortar stores as well. Um, I'll use, I try and put postings up there as often as I can. I'm, little bit behind right now there's um, a frequently asked question for if you're new to all these dogmen things it tells basically what they are um, and I keep adding pages so there's there's a lot there and then um, if you just I have I'm starting to take bookings for the next year I'm going to be um, at a Colorado horror film although my film is not a horror film it's, it's real life stuff but um, they say they're still interested in it too in Colorado in um, October, I'm going to be in June, the June 8th, I believe it is. 
up in Menominee, Michigan, adjacent to the Wisconsin uh, state border for um, a conference I was at last year that was really well attended. Turned out to be a real up and comer. You can find you'll be able to find that um, on my I think it's called the Menominee Bigfoot Conference, although it isn't just Bigfoot. And there'll be lots more things. Um, I'll be beefing up my website very shortly. And I'm on Facebook. I have a Facebook author page, lindagodfrey-author.com, I believe it is. Um, there's another one, too, that's much uh, just mundane stuff. But Linda Godfrey Author is the Facebook place. Um, so th- those would be the main. I do hit Twitter once in a while. It's, I, I, I don't always have time to get on there, but I, I do have Twitter, too. So um, Amazing. find me different places. Yeah. So thanks again for having me. It was just a lovely hour, and 40 minutes went past real fast. It really did, actually. Time just flew by yet again. And I had such a great time talking to you, Linda, and asking you some of these questions. Always a fun time and very informative time uh, speaking to you, as always. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm just always – I'm honored when people are interested enough to listen. Nope. And I, I yes. thank all your listeners, too. Definitely. Not a problem. Linda – I'll definitely touch base with you again in the very near future. Please do. It'll be fun. <laughs> oh, yes. All right, Linda. Take care and good night and Thank God bless. You. Okay. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And there she goes, ladies and gentlemen. That was Linda Godfrey. Definitely give her a hand. Go to her website. Drop her a line. That was very interesting. I hope you guys enjoyed that. And right now I'm looking at the time, and it's certainly that time to go on a little break. And when I come back... Another brave soul will join us here, Neil, from the Open Eye Project. Stay tuned. Hello. Neil, what's going on? How you doing, Michael? Pretty good, my friend. How are you? I'm okay. Is that uh, lady still on? No, we're not even live yet. Oh, okay, great. No. Yeah. Is she going to still be on uh, when we're talking or what? No, why would she be on? Oh, I I, I didn't know because sometimes they might go longer, you know, <laughs> or, or maybe she might want to uh, she might want to talk to me or something too. talk to you. You know, I didn't know. Cause, yeah, because if she saw on Twitter, you know, I was trying to help you advertise about me talking on, you know, your show and, uh, you know, and. uh but she was talking about that Bigfoot stuff and werewolves and stuff, and I kind of know some of that stuff because I actually seen werewolves. Oh, hold, hold on, Neil. Let me and, uh, let me um properly bring you in here. Just hold on one second. Oh. We'll we'll be live right now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Just, we wait. I wait. Yeah. Just one second. I'm gonna introduce you and let people know we're we're live now. <laughs> and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Here we are again on the second half of the program, and now I'm joined by a second soul, Neil. What's going on, my friend? Hey, I'm uh, I'm still out in the fi- out in the wilderness, you know. Um, hey, you're still out there. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm still alive. I'm still here with y'all. I love y'all so much. You know, I'm I'm sacrificing my life to uh, give the message of what's really going on. You know, tonight I heard some person was talking about the same stuff about what I'm talking about, like aliens and vampirism and, uh, you know, stuff like that. So there's, uh, I heard about one guy, I forgot, it's par- in, into paranormal, I think, by some dude I was listening to that earlier. So I'm kind of glad that I'm not the only one, you know, telling people about this, you know. 
Right. And of course, you were patiently waiting before you were on the program. Linda Godfrey was on just a few moments ago. What did you think about that? Well, I'm glad she's doing that because she's part of the disclosure. I mean, everybody like you, Mike, you're part of the disclosure. I know you told me you just started doing this stuff and we're all part of the puzzle. I mean, we have to put all this together. And, uh, I actually seen werewolves before, but it's in the invisible dimension. Uh, I actually seen a Bigfoot, I think, um, this old man was telling me about this Bigfoot, uh, do, uh, person in California. Right. He carves these, um, he carves these, uh, wooden, uh, things with chainsaws, you know, how they, they carve, uh, bears and stuff like that. And he told me about these, uh, this Bigfoot he saw. And it had like reddish hair or whatever. And then, uh, I drove toward town and I was like looking toward the woods and I saw something with red eyes and I could see some, fi- a figure, like hairy figure. Sure. And he looked like a Sasquatch. Yeah. That's and, creepy. uh, but he had like red eyes and it was like, wow, man, I could, I could see that, you know? Right. So, uh, uh-huh. sometimes I, when I, but, uh, so I believe in a lot of stuff that people are saying. Right. You know, because I've seen it. Right. And, Neil, I was just going to say, you have this uh, group called the Open Eye Project. Um, How did all that begin for you? Well, I started it this year. Um, You know, I didn't want to do the Facebook thing because I didn't believe in someone being a friend. And you (laughs) don't even know this person. You know, I don't even know these people, you know. So it's like, but. Uh, I started a Twitter thing in November and I started talking with, uh, you know, uh, uh, Fade to Black, uh, what's his name? Uh, and, uh, so I said, you know what? I have to, I have to reach out my, uh, hand out to people and my voice to people. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do the Open Eye Project, but you know what? It's way overdue, Michael. It's way overdue. Why hasn't no one did this Open Eye Project? And the things I'm telling people, uh, it's, it's scientific research. You know, I look at everything scientifically and I see these invisible dimensions now for over 13 years. For over 13 years. And they look trans. Yeah. Uh, I've been doing research for 13 years. Uh, ever since I found out about my mother, she was born on the 27th. She died on the 27th and she was 27 years old when she died. She died on the seventh month, 27 of 67. And I was 43 years old, which is a seven. And it was like, uh, you know, this is time to wake up. So I started doing research in numerology. I found out about my birthday is March the 20th. The day of spring is the 13th sign. It's in between the 12th zodiac and the first zodiac. Okay. And it's uh, one foot on land and one foot on the sea. Okay. Like the Pisces and the Ram. So if you spell my name, if you take land and sea, you go in from land, go down to E-A for C, and go back up to L to fish sign. So, I mean, my name is Neil, but it's not uh, the dude on Metrics, you know. The right. movie Metrics <laughs> is, is like a prophecy. So, uh, but uh, the spirit world told me I have to tell people about my birthday and about my mother, and I connected something, man. I mean, I went into Notre Dame's writings, and I said, you know, there's got to be something because I'm doing supernatural stuff. So I said, I got to find out if he has any information for me. 
and I found out that someone was supposed to die on the day of their birth. Ooh. And it's at the very end of the Quantrains of Notre Dame. You know, I, I'm challenging people. Go look it up. You know, I'm not going to go find it for you. Go research like I'm a researcher. Go find it. And then after that, it talks about the uh, Saturn's going to come too late. That only 70 people are going to survive. And then it talks about burning. You know, set set stuff on fire. Yeah. So I am use I'm using my powers and uh to protect myself too. But uh you know, but I love y'all, man. I mean, um the DNA see aliens have created this uh when we lost the war, they took all our fathers away with technology and uh knowledge of the universe. And then they, they made the earth like a zero civilization. That's how it happened. And then that's why no one knows knowledge. So any knowledge that we get is from the good aliens that's trying to tell us, uh, you know, they call us light workers that they're, you know, sending us messages or downloads about what's going on. And I'm part of that. You know, I'm not like, I'm not like the last, uh, testament. So, um, you know, I could see these beings. They're in the trees. I mean, I did the uh, motorbike thing. Uh, because they're sucking out energy. Uh, it's technology, you know, it's vampirism. And they keep us, instead of being a 12 volt battery, we're down to two volts. So that makes you blind and your hearing is, you can't hear nothing, you know, uh, psychic, you know, psychic, psychic abilities. Uh, so when I did the motorbike thing, it's like alchemy. I rode the motorbike for a year and I started, uh, to look in the clouds, you know, I was doing all my research. I looked at the clouds and I saw that they were talking to me and I had telepathy and I started communicating with them. And I was looking in the trees and I could see them in the trees. I went in the forest. They're in the forest, you know, and I, I developed night vision. Uh, now, a lot of people could do these things. That's why I'm doing the open eye project. You know, I'm telling everybody how to do this because it's time to awaken. And this is the only way to awaken us. Because we've been manipulated with uh, DNA uh, to so we could die younger. And plus vampirism, we can't heal ourselves. That's why we get sick all the time and die of, you know, these bad diseases. So this is the plan of the evil alien from that moon. Plus, they're using uh, religion to, to divide us. You know, just like Democrats and Republicans. If you know what's going on, I, you know, I haven't been right. researching nothing about none of that. And I started researching that. And I says, oh, my gosh, what the heck is going on in America? I mean, we're very divided. The name game, just like, yeah, we're d- divided. You, you would fail, right? Right. They're trying to divide the communists. They're coming into the country and they're doing this. on. Look what they did to Venezuela. How Ooh. can a, a democratic country have communists? have a communist president. That was a coup. They lost their minds. And then they trying to, they, yeah, no, no, this was deliberately done. The Chinese and the Jap, uh, the Cubans are involved, uh, Russians involved. They, see, this is all planned. Uh, they actually infiltrated our country. Look at the Democrats. These Democrats are crazy, man. I mean, they want to kill babies when they're born. I yeah, mean, they want to take out guns away. You know, I have to say, uh, I've always been pro-choice since the longest. However, um, you know, this is going to piss off a lot of people out there, but I've always been someone 
who isn't exactly against abortion. However, in terms of late-term abortion, that's kind of where I draw the line. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see when a woman gets pregnant. She could have, they got this pill you could end the pregnancy. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. one month they find out they're pregnant, they just take the pill and it's done. Correct. I don't mind them doing that. Same that, here. You know, that's, you know, it's sometimes it's an accident. It might be incest or rape or something, right? Yeah, in those cases. So they need to do that. But they don't need, they don't need to carry the baby six months or even three months and then decide to kill it. That's true. You know? I agree with that. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, that, that's just so, a little uh, too far. The thing is. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. it hurts my heart, man, to see these people. And when I saw them women, you know, during the, uh. The State know, of the Union. President Trump talking. Correct. Yeah, the State of the Union. These women, the only time they clapped. When he said something about their, you know, all these women got the, you know, more jobs in, in, you know, in Senate or whatever, right? They were just clapping about themselves. That's true. You know, that's it. Everything else they, they denied. They denied the border thing. They denied abortion, uh, murder and, you know, com- something else. They denied communism. I mean, this, I mean, we have communism in, in the Democratic Party. That's the deep state. And uh what was that dude named David uh, Wilcock? He's been talking about this deep state thing, but I haven't been, you know, uh, trying to figure that out because I've been, you know, doing my research, right? You know, sure. I'm busy doing doing your thing. Real research, you know. I see, yeah, I'm, uh, like alien spaceships uh, in Utah, you know, and and all these other scientific research things I'm doing. I've been busy. But I never wanted to deal with religion or politics because they're all liars. I mean, look what happened to that stone dude. Roger Stone. Why would they send over 30 men with machine guns? Did you see that film? I sure did. The dudes had their guns drawn. Well, they usually do that that? during raids. Correct. Yeah, but this dude ain't no criminal. He ain't no threat. (laughs) Well, that's just standard protocol. overkill. Well, I mean, that was standard protocol, but yeah. No, no, it's not overkill. No, that's way overkill, man. When there's that many when there's that many patrol cars, I agree. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far though, but I agree. Way overkill. Well, that many squad cars, yes, but pointing guns and all that—that's standard. When anytime there's a raid, you're gonna get. Anytime there's a raid, you're gonna have a gun pointed at you. Have you never been involved in a raid before? No, but it wasn't about drugs or nothing, (laughs) man. That was—I mean, you gotta look. Some of the FBI said this was overkill. I mean, can you this calm down, by the way? Dude is like a gangster. Neil, Neil, calm down. Neil, you're gonna have to calm down. The the audience is getting scared of you. That was, that was sarcasm, by the way. Oh, really? No, I'm joking though. Oh, okay. I'm just playing well, with you. Ma'am, maybe I'm too loud. That's okay. Don't worry. But uh, I talk loud though. It's okay. Don't worry. But uh, you know, I haven't been looking at this stuff, man. I mean, I don't want to really get involved, but our country is falling apart. I mean, it's pretty bad. That's true. These, uh, I see the communists in, uh, I mean, you, if you listen, see, I'm a psychic. I do profiling, like FBI profiling. I even went to the FBI and told them, look, I need to work for y'all. You actually went I to the feds. About, I gave my, yeah, I went to them and uh, I talked to two agents in California. We uh, set up a date. <laughs> That's crazy. And, uh, that was two, two and a half years ago. And then, uh, they started, uh, they, uh, 
these uh, lasers that them burnings in California, these uh, forest fires. Right. They they've been killing these demon demon aliens. I actually seen it on film. I actually saw a, a alien pinned down and a laser, a blue laser was coming down on him. You saw you saw an alien. And yeah, on on film. Amazing. Uh, I actually saw it. I said, oh man, yeah, they're doing them. But see, I went to the FBI and I told them they got to evacuate cities like Los Angeles or San Francisco and just burn, you know, take flamethrowers and blow up the buildings because they're all in the buildings because I could see them. And you told the FBI uh, that. And I told them about that. Holy hell. Yeah. And I told yeah, I told them I did uh, remote view. I actually remote viewed the CIA. And I told them about that. And I said, look, I saw uh, the atom bomb blowing up. That was the first uh, remote view I saw. Then I saw an alien, uh, and I looked at him, and I was, like, in this room, and they had, a, like, a metal table. And he was on the other side of the table. And, I like, I bent my head and says, oh, my gosh, there's an alien. And he turned around and looked at me like, like, what the heck are you doing in here? I said, <laughs> oh, my gosh, aliens could see my invisible body. Uh-oh. It's in the, you know, invisible dimension. You're supposed to be visible, you know, invisible, right? Well, when he seen me, I said, oh, crap, you could see me. And I started to run to get out the room, right? And he was following me. And I told him about that. And then I I saw the Looking Glass project. I was in a hangar, and they had a building with this turtle shell fabric on this 10 by 10 building. And this dude had big glasses, and this woman had uh, her hair in a bun and French curls you know, on her bangs, and she had this poncho, you know, with the same material, like, uh, you know how you get your hair cut, and it's got like a poncho thing or whatever? Sure. But she was a psychic, and I explained that to him, and later on when we was leaving, he said, you know what, we got to go to the uh the judge and get a court order to remote view people. So what he was telling me, he knew about remote viewing. He, You know, he was like saying, oh, yeah, we do it too. But, uh, and I told him, I said, man, I'm supposed to work with y'all, man. Y'all have no idea what y'all dealing with, you know, in, uh, or NASA. And so, so Neil, I basically, right now, I mean, uh, I Neil, I have to ask you. So basically, you're going to have to await, uh, a, a visit from a couple white vans in a few weeks from now. <laughs> yeah, maybe. They're going to go to your house. They're supposed to be, they're supposed to be black, <laughs> like the men in black. Well, yeah, you 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 would uh, suspect that, but now they're they're just standard white. Well, uh, there was a a day in the time I was uh about a week ago, no a month ago, my phone started beeping. It's a new phone I got. It started beep 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 beep, and then it turned off. So they know my name. Any any time I get a phone, you know, the reason why I wanted them to know who I was because I'm supposed to help them. So I'm getting, when I'm on the radio, I'm actually giving them free information, you know, uh, about what's going on. But, uh, uh, I'm supposed to try to stop this World War III. But the problem is the Chinese dictator, they're crazy. I mean, you can't stop a crazy, you know, like North Korea. You can't stop these people unless you just kill them. So, uh, I can't change that future, but, um, Neil, I have to stop you there really no, quickly. No, I don't want to see how... Neil, I have to quickly stop you there really quickly and just ask, um, in your younger years, did you even have an interest in any of these things? Well, um, well, when I was...
was younger, uh, I was a little kid and I uh, was running to the mulberry tree. I was going to beat my brothers to the mulberry tree on the weekend. And, uh, we climb, it's a, you know, mulberry tree, you eat, the, it's like blackberries. Uh, you eat, you know, you climb up the tree and just eat them or whatever. It's like a clubhouse we was hanging out. And I was running there one day when I was young and, uh, something tripped me. And then once it tripped me, I was like trying to get up and my brothers were passing me up on their bikes, right? On right. the trail. But I couldn't get up. Something was holding my hands down in the ground and I couldn't move my hands. So I got up and I says, hey, man, you know, I was looking behind me, like, what tripped me? Was it a stick, a rock, or a root? And I, I just realized something clicked in my head. I says, hey, man, someone was holding my hand down. You know, I got mad. So I started looking, and I knew they were invisible, you know, because I couldn't see what was holding my hands down on the ground. So when I got to the edge of the tree line, this dude was leaning, up, had his hand against the tree, mm-hmm. this big live oak tree. And he said, hey, man, what's going on, you know? And I knew he was up to no good. And I said, I used the name of Jesus on him. And uh, I closed my eyes, and I was very mad. I closed my eyes, and I just said it real sh- strong and heavy because he was dressed up too nice, like, you know, dressed up, you know, too good. You know, he looked too good. And I know I just, you know, you know, when you have that, when you're young like that, you kind of know, you know, and, uh, so when I opened my eyes, he disappeared. And when I started walking away, I was like, you know, okay, you know, that worked, right? And he said, hey, man, I was, I'm just watching over you. By the way, um, that's what he said. By I, the way, a I gang of, uh, Neil, by the way, gang of four in the chat room said maybe it was Dogman. What's a Dogman? No, it was, that's actually, uh, he was an alien, but he just had a, uh, it was the devil, actually. It was a devil. A demon. Antichrist. It was the Antichrist. It was the Antichrist. Yeah, some people actually say that about yeah. extraterrestrials. They they uh, claim those are the fallen ones, uh, demons. Have different names for them. Yeah, what they do is they they steal uh, the image of men. Because when uh, I was at this place camping out and I saw this spirit, he had a bag of heads, and he would put it on his face like to, so no one would know who he was. Uh, and this dimension, what I actually saw. The spirits walking around biting people's heads off and just spitting it, you know, spit their head off. I mean, it's, uh, God. I think that's why I see a head dimension. Yeah. In the clouds. And you know what a vampire does? I, if I was a vampire, I'd do the same darn thing. I would if, too. If you were demon or devil, I would, I would bite your damn head off and spit yeah. it out and, it, and they turn your body upside down, you know, cause the, the little bitty small beings are small. So you just grab them. You bite their head off and then turn their uh, body upside down and just drink their blood and throw their body off, you know? <laughs> I hope the feds are uh, listening to this. I've seen that happen. But I, I don't know if the person was good or bad. You know, it's, you know, cause you can't just, you know, when the battles are going on, like, uh, at night I see these black lasers. Black lasers? Uh, yeah, what the aliens mean? are using black lasers cause you, uh, they can't tell where like, if you're fighting a war against two different spaceships, if you shoot a black laser, you can't tell where it's coming from. You know, it hits you, but you can't tell where it's coming from. During the day, I see, like, these light blue blue ones. Uh You see the spaceship light up, and then the, the laser goes down, and it looks blue because the sky is blue. 
But see, no one could, I could see these things. I see them all the time. You see them all the time, but when uh, you were young, like and, uh, a, when you were a child, did you see these things a lot? No, uh, my first experience was with that person. And later on, I found out he came to me again when I was older after, uh, when I was 43 and I found out about my mother. So he's just been watching uh, you. He came after that. Uh, yeah, he's been watching me. He said he was, you know. But uh he met me in a church in Marksville, and I was doing research in the stained glass because some of the Masons or the Knights of the Templars have been putting messages in the Catholic Church, you know, with the stained glass. But you have to look at the detail because, you know, There's lots of it's, trouble it's from like that messages. Lots of trouble uh, from that Catholic Church, Neil. Well, yeah, I know, but I had to do some research, you know, like I'm a re- I do, you know, uh. I've been searching for the truth, you know. Right. And, uh, but the, the bad thing is they killed 44 Knights of the Templars in 1307. And the Catholic Church is evil. I it's mean. It's evil. That's true. Uh, they called, they called the human, uh, the Europeans heretics and witches. But you gotta understand, Michael, they didn't start doing this stuff until they got the power. Cause when they built the churches in Europe, that's when they, you know, I think it was like the 13, yeah, 1307. Once they got the power, then they, you could do anything you want. Yeah, the corruption right? came with it, yeah. And that's, you know, yeah. So they, you know, and it, and the government that, the deep state that's going on between the Democrats and the Republicans, it's actually a battle between good and evil. I have found out that the evil ones are in the Democrats, dude. I mean, they're, they're using prejudice. They, they call it people, uh, uh, racist people. Okay? Well, this is a, this is a spiritual battle. That's they're true. not doing this. Yeah, it's a spiritual battle. You know, you gotta look at what they're doing. It's like, uh, they're attacking our president. You know, we didn't do that to Obama or, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Clinton guy. We, we didn't, you know, we didn't do that. I mean, this, these people are crazy. I mean. I agree. They're, they're nuts. People are, are out of their minds. That's true. On both sides, really. And we might have lost them. I think we might have lost uh, Neil there just when the story was getting exciting. Yeah, I see Neil here, but I think we might have lost him, folks. I think he might be gone. Let me try to reach him again. Uh, Neil, hold on one second if, if you can hear me. I'm not sure what's going on. Your audio just cut off there. They're gonna just go in. Oh, there. Oh, and he's gone. Good lord, what just happened? Yeah, that that was a very unusual. He was there, and then now he's gone. Let's see if we could reach him again, folks. Hold on. All right, give him giving him a call here. We we lost him, folks. Neil, you're back. Oh, oh I'm back. What I happened? Lost you, huh? Yeah, what happened there? I don't know. The feds got mad. Oh wait, my Bluetooth. I bet I didn't realize <laughs> just... it was back down. If my Bluetooth ain't uh up, I yeah. probably lost connection. Oh great. Don't don't use the Bluetooth. Never. Ever, ever, ever. Not when you're well, doing an interview. Well the reason why I do it is I don't want to hold the phone. Oh I hear my, yeah, uh, that's true. That's true. I, I understand. You definitely need to get uh, some headphones or something. That would uh, definitely help. But the Bluetooth, it's just terrible. It never works out well, especially when you're doing uh, something uh, like this. Yeah, I didn't realize it was halfway. I don't know That's what okay. messes with my knob sometimes. Don't worry. Uh, uh, 
but you know, I didn't want to do the politics thing. I'm trying okay. to do the open eye project to open the people's eyes, man. I mean, uh, you know, this one woman's talking about global warming. Okay. Michael, the main thing we have, I'm going to give you the main problem about the United States is the nuclear energy that's, uh, you remember uh what happened in Japan, the tsunami and that nuclear waste is going in the ocean? How can I forget? Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. What? All these animals are dying. I mean, the fish, if you ever seen a special, I've seen it. They're getting tumors on their lips and stuff, all the fish in the ocean. That is one of the biggest problems we have besides, uh, you know, China and Russia, you know, starting war. And that's two, right? So the third one is all these people invading the southern border. Now, that's three. So what you got to do is you have to look at the three major uh disasters that would happen. One of them is the, the water that we need to clean up the ocean. Another one is the uh invasion in our southern border and the Russian uh war. That's the three main issues. It's not global. This girl, Cortez woman said, oh, we got in 12 years, uh, the world's going to end because of global warming. Oh, my gosh. This girl is like the airhead. I mean, she is so stupid. I mean, you know, but people's going to have to understand, you know, these are the three main things that I see. You know, right. And the other one it is the fourth one is the communism in America. Actually, there's four that I'm worried about. And I think we all need I mean, every radio station, every, you know, and well, the CNN, the fake news, that's five. The fake news stuff. That's five, actually. So I gave you five things that we really need to, you know, pay attention to uh, to save this planet, you know. And yeah, this is a prophecy, really. I could, you know, yeah, there's I could a see lot of, it. I think everybody nonsense. could. Yeah, there's a lot of problems. Problems, yeah. I agree with you on that. Lots of issues around the world. And it's, who knows, maybe the world could end in, in 12 years, but not by global warming. <laughs> no, no, no. Nuclear bombs. Well, that I could agree I mean, with. World yes. War II. You know, World War, I'd rather be in World War Two. And fight a war then instead of fighting a war now because these crazy idiots, imagine if, uh, Hitler had the atom bomb, right? Or Mussolini had the atom bomb. Thank God. Or Japan, you know, oh. had the atom bomb then. You know, th- these times, and then the bad thing is these Democrats are attacking our president and we need to think about what's going on, you know, with this world. This is, this stuff they're doing is insignificant. It's almost, I'll tell you what, if he calls for a state of emergency and arrests these Democrat people and put them in military jails and have, mil- you know, for treason, this is treason. I don't think they could this do that, like though. This is like a coup. But I don't think they could. Well, of course they, oh, yeah, of course they could do it. I'm telling you what, i tell you what, I w- if I was president, I would take a 1,000 or 10,000 men and go in the FBI and raid them like they did that stone dude. Roger and stuff. put them in military jails and find the evidence. The evidence is what comes out your mouth. I've been watching some of these Democrats talking uh, bad stuff to this uh, in, internal general, whoever he is. I mean, that's an insult. I mean, that's an these insult. people are out of their mind, dude. I'm, tell- if, I'm telling you it's going to happen. 
I tell you what, they've got some other people that's saying the thing, same thing. You know what? It's going to be either good or evil is going to rule this United States or this world. And if we don't stand up as one people for freedom and justice for all, we're going to lose. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, I'm telling the truth, man. You know what? Some people says, oh, a prophet's going to come and talk about um, uh, parables. You know, it's not no time for parables. I have to tell the truth, nothing but the truth. And, uh, you know, I I could see these military men are going to die for freedom. I think there's a war coming, Neil. You know, oh, it's already happening, man. I mean, well, not just here in Venezuela, America. dude. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. that was a plain coup. I mean, you can't run for a uh, president for a democratic uh, a country and be a communist. Look at the some of these Democrats. They're communists. I mean, they're talking about, uh, uh, I'm going to give an example. If you had a million dollars and you just made a million dollars this year, do you think it's fair that the government takes 75% of your money? Not at all. <laughs> I wouldn't be very happy. That's what Cortez woman is saying. I wouldn't be very happy either. She, they talk, no, I mean, that's that's highway robbery. Yeah, I agree with you there. I mean, I, I did some... Uh, I did some scientific research. I started watching what police do to people. I mean, these police pull over people and give them tickets for no reason. They have no reason to stop these people. And they say, well, give me your license in the state of California. And then he says, I don't have to give you my license. Did I break a law? He said, And then the cop says, no, you didn't break a law, but I'm just doing whatever. You know, you have to have probable cause. You know, you can't just go to uh, these names they're calling out, like the uh, Republicans, unless a crime has been committed. You can't investigate people unless there's a crime. By the way, I just want to. That's wanna, what's going on. I mean. By the way, Neil, I just wanted to quickly add that I've seen a lot of various police footage, thanks to a website called uh, FlyHeight.com. Uh, quick shout out to them. Oh, you seen the, some of the abuses they do? Sure. There's a lot of them that are pretty wild out there, and thanks to body cam footage yeah, for for all the wild, uh, foot all the the greatness they provide with with that uh, body cam footage there. Yeah, they can't stand other people to film them. Yeah, they get pissed. You know, they got a camera, but oh, they get pissed. They get mad as shit. But they got a camera, and what happens is when you go to court, all the footage is gone. I mean, you can't fight this system. You know, I think all humans. Or, you know, what, Americans, whoever we are, we need to have a film, a camera in your car or on our, on us too, to protect us. Cause, you know what, this is what a law is. It says, when anybody's for the army or police, it says, we have to defend any threat from anything that's foreign or domestic. That means on, you know, you know, the, you know, the law enforcement. You see what I'm saying? That's why we carry guns and stuff. And they want to take away the Second Amendment. They want to take away our guns. That's not good. I mean, I mean, this is, Mike, I'll tell you what, Michael, I'll tell you what. I really don't want to see what's going on. I really don't. I mean, this is so crazy. It is crazy. I agree. I mean, this is This is treason. You know, if George Washington come back, he would line them people up and shoot them with a firing squad. No questions asked. No court. He would just say, look. No court. You're treason. You're treason. 
No court at all. He would just say it, bam, and he, that's what they did. If anybody was a treason, they would shoot you, you know, or hang you. I think they still got that law. They actually hang people. Good Lord. It's still the law on the books, too. I don't think there's been a hanging in a long time. I tell you what. <laughs> I tell you what. Well, unless there, you there, live in Mexico. Well, I can't yeah. wait. I can't wait to see some hanging going on because I tell you what, I'm psychic. I could tell when it's it's got collusion. I mean, this is like a witch hunt. I mean, and then you have what? Uh, fake news? CNN. How in the heck CNN was there 30 minutes before the the uh, FBI got there? Yeah, you got me on that this one. This is collusion. Yeah, I, I can't deny that part. Yeah. That's, that turned out to be a uh, factual. Yeah, I know. Pretty weird. Um, but nowadays, it's kind of hard to even trust any news source. Every news source has a certain agenda that they uh, try to push forward one way or another. Yeah, I think uh, well, the name game, I'm going to try to tell people, like Christians, and, and, and they're not Christians. I mean – uh, Muslims are not Muslim. It's the hate game. And, and people gotta understand, the aliens want this. Divide, if they divide us with this religion, or if they divide us with this politics, I mean, I could see the Republicans is like the Christ, you know, whatever you want to call them, I don't know. And Democrats, you know, but the Democrats have gone so far to the left, I mean, they're heartless. I mean, they're baby killers. They want to take out guns. They want to take out money. I mean, these people are really radical. I mean. Some of it is. I agree I mean, with you there. You know, I feel like I'm not no Republican or Democrat. I actually want to run Democrat just to clean. You know, I think what we need to do, some of the Democrat people that's not radical and crazy, I think y'all need to take back the Democratic Party. That's what's, we're gonna have to have a big movement. And you know, I'm not Democrat, but I feel like running Democrat just to, to, uh, I tell you what, <laughs> I tell you what, I could read these people's minds before they even say these things, and I tell you what, if I ever get, you know how they have the debates in school? I tell you what, I will, you know, you know Thor's hammer? Sure. It comes back. <laughs> I tell you what, I am so intelligent. You're a you wild man. You can't, uh, you can't lie to me. And I would know how you, you know, it's like a chess game. They might have one queen, but I got 12 queens in the chess game. You understand? Yes, I certainly do. <laughs> so that's, yeah, so that's, uh, there's no, <laughs> I tell you what, if they ever find out who I really am, they would never stand up against me, you know. I mean, uh, I mean, shut up or uh, run or run. Amazing. <laughs> you know? By the way, they, the the chat, a gang of four, he wants me to ask you when he last saw an alien. He's referring to you, of course. When was the last time you saw an alien? Ah, oh, shucks. I see them every day. They're every in day. the trees. I mean, uh, I was looking I was looking at uh, one of them today. He was in a tree, and his eyes are like slanted like a V, and that's the demon kind. I mean, their eyes, see how, you know, eyes are horizontal. These demon ones, their eyes are like... Uh, pointed toward, you know, it's hard to explain. I got a photograph. I could actually, uh, send you got a it photograph. You. Oh, well, you should have sent me one a, beforehand. Yeah. I got a photograph of one of these aliens that his eyes are slanted like up and down, like they're pointing toward his nose or whatever. They're not horizontal like, uh, reg. See, some aliens' eyes are, are normal like humans. And these other aliens, uh, I think they're reptilian, uh, grays or whatever. Um, 
But uh, when I was doing my research, I saw this dude. He's They call him Jesuit. He was bigger than the moon, and he was, like, aiming at the moon, and he threw these uh, these reptilians over my head. And uh, what I think it was, I think he wanted me to see him, you know, in the one dimension. And me and him probably talked, you know, and we said, hey, man, you need to throw these things over me so I could see them. So I'm not going to, you know. Uh, and what happened was when I was riding my motorbike around Sacramento, I saw him, and he aimed at the moon and threw him off the moon because I throw these spirits out of my car. Wait, what do you same mean? Same way. I aim at my car, and I throw them in the sky. I do the same thing. Wait, what What, do you, what on and, earth? Uh, what do you mean you throw them out of your car? Yeah, they get, when I go into cities, they get inside the car in my back seat and stuff. And what I do is I walk in front of the car and I aim at my car and I throw them to the, to my left. Cause I, I usually, it's called sweeping. You sweep them out. And it's kind of like an onion. I could throw one time and then try to throw again and I could still see it. There's, you know, it's like dimensions on top of dimensions, like parallel universe. I mean, they're clamped. They, they're so packed up in my car. And what I'm trying to get is the small ones out because they're more evil. And what happens when I throw a big one out, it pulls the small ones out at the same time. And I throw them up in the clouds or I throw them up in the stars. And, uh, so, uh, or like a spin move. Okay. Imagine if I get out of out of my car and I aim at my feet and I, I spin around like a corkscrew, right? And I keep on spinning with my eyes aiming at, you know, you know, it's like pulling the trigger or whatever you call it. And you throw them, you go upward. So anything that's around you, you know, if the enemies have got you surrounded, you do the spin move. It's like a tornado. It starts a vortex. And you throw them up in the space, and you get them away from you. So I call that the spin move. I know? never heard so, that um, before. In case people, well, you know that movie Metrics? Sure. How Neil was fighting all these Smith people? Uh, the yeah. Smith people are actually the religious people that's brainwashed. That was actually the Matrix 2. And, uh, well, well, yeah, 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 well, 2, whatever. Correct. And then... Um, that's what happens. Um, but see, over a million, I remember one, some woman said, Neil, they have over a million angels brainwashed in the Catholic Church. Okay? So if you're blind in this dimension, which is the one dimension that we're living in, you're blind in the next dimension. You see what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. And it's all about brainwashing. I mean, this earth has been controlled for thousands of years. So, uh, and with my birthday, you know, you got to understand, people have to write down these things because, you know, a lot of y'all uh, have been abducted, your memories are not good, and y'all don't understand about my mother's death in Notre Dame, what he said, plus my birthday. And then the things I'm telling y'all is scientifically you could do these things, okay? So, uh Actually, one day, y'all going to see me in front of Congress telling them, says, look, y'all fighting against the president. Maybe y'all need to fight against these darn invisible dimensions. And, and, you know, instead of fighting amongst the Democrats and the Republicans, we need to pull. You know, President uh, Trump said that we need to pull together as one nation under God, you know. Right. I mean, he did and say these that. people, 
uh, sitting there not clapping at all, defiant. Amazing, I, I know. Mean, That's what I saw. And one thing, uh, one thing's funny. I watched Nancy one day. She was talking about, you know, whatever. She was talking a speech. And she said, okay, it's time to clap. I, I saw that. And she said it five times. Okay. That is ridiculous. She's that is a, like control. That's like religion. Hey, very, it's time um, for y'all to clap. She, she's a very odd one, isn't she? sick. Her facial reactions as well were yeah, but she, pretty strange during that whole thing. Yeah, but. Yeah, but she can't even talk right. Her speech is like, uh, she, she reminds me of, uh, the Clinton lady when she was talking, when she's talking about stuff. She can't even say the words right. I mean, you could see like a, when she's talking, a blank comes over her face. Like no, you know, no comprehension. When if you look at somebody and they're talking and no comprehension is in their mind, like they have an empty mind, you could see it. It's like nothing's there. I mean, an NPC character. Uh, but you, it was well, like artificial intelligence. You gotta understand, artificial intelligence is controlled to think. It's like when you put a program in it, like religion, or a program like uh, democratic. Uh, okay, it's time to clap. <laughs> I mean, that's that's like, golly, I've never seen that before. That you was know, weird. Yeah, this never happened, Mike. Well, that was Michael, a that was a very strange one. I, this has I agree. Never happened. <laughs> yeah, no, we were. This, um, has, this we, has never happened. We were viewing something very odd. Yeah, it's like uh, mind control stuff. I was just about to ask you that. Do you think they were? She's <laughs> under some kind of uh, form of mind control, Neil. Some MK Ultra project. I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I, I can't. The thing is, you could tell by when the way people talk. It's. Uh, I've seen her talk about like. Oh, like she was behind the president. She says, oh, no, no. She was like waving. And I saw her talking, like trying to do lip talking. And I was like reading her mouth. She was trying to say, st- uh, you know, I think uh they have a secret code where they don't do nothing on television or, t- you know, or cell phones because it's like a secret society. So they use uh like a telepathy thing. Because there's no way the FBI could prove, you know, if you're talking on the phone, you know, because if you talk on the phone, they could subpoena that. And uh, so, uh, and one of them FBI said on on the hearing, he says, oh, well, we can't subpoena phone calls. That's about the biggest lie I ever heard. Of course they can. I mean, uh, you could get a transcript of me and you talking, you know, on the phone, you know. That's true. And have it for evidence. They usually do. And then the dude says, oh, you, yeah, but the dude, the FBI dude, you know what he said? You can't do that. It's like, you're a damn liar. By the way, Neil, for the longest time, for the longest time, every single conversation is basically being recorded. Uh, cell phone, uh, landline for, for the longest time. Yeah. Well, they got computers that do that because they're trying to find out who's the communist. Uh, I'm a, I'm a good example. Uh, you got FBI, CIA, but then you got some other ones that I, I'm not gonna name. But how you know one day this F, you know, this, uh, this deep state, they're gonna get arrested pretty soon. And it's not gonna be in the, it's gonna be on, you know, solid, uh, it's gonna be like military tribun- tribunals. It's gonna be secret. And, um, uh, so, uh, 
no one's going to know about it. I mean, so it's it's already happening now. I mean, and that's why a lot of senators are trying to do this uh, thing to find out what's going on because they know that this secret stuff's going on. And uh, the, FBI, the FBI is not above the law, you know. They're right. not. Yes, I agree and with you there. I, they got good FBI. They they do have good FBI people out there. Sure. And I, I heard one FBI said one FBI said something about I can't believe that he sent that many people. That's like overkill. Yeah, that would be um, said that Stone dude. I mean, right. That, that's like. That's not like a cartel or a mafia person or nothing, you know. <laughs> That's like, uh, yeah, that that was I mean, a that was uh, a Lindsey uh, that I was Lindsey yeah that was Lindsey Graham who was very upset o- about the whole ordeal. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you know, all the things that the Democrats that they found out they did wrong, they got evidence for them that they lied to Congress and did all these evil things. Nothing's happening to them. They're like throwing it under the rug, and you don't hear what they do is well. If we throw this under the rug and then make a lot of action, you know, uh, things about the Republican people, everybody's going to believe in this false news CNN bull junk. But we're not going to talk about this. It's like sleeping, you know. And I could see it. You know, I'm psychic, man. I could see my conscious mind. I could see all the lies. I could see the uh, deep state stuff because. Uh, some people have been talking about this, but I haven't been doing any kind of research in it. But I tell you what, I'm a remote viewer and I'm a psychic. I will, I will find out what's really going on Amazing. sooner or later, you know. And were you all? That's always, why I told hmm? the FBI I need to oh work for Oh my God. Him. I still can't believe you told <laughs> I, the FBI. Well, I had to, man, because, uh, they told me to go to, uh, tell mankind. Well, about, you know, the demons sucking out energy. Look, the FBI dude I was talking about, I said, I'm a doctor. I studied vampirism. I looked at his eyes. He had black. He was a very strong man. He might have been the same age as me, but he had black rings around his eyes. I said, dude, they're doing you. They're, these vampires are doing you bad. You look like you're almost dead. You told I him that. I told him that. You told him and that. I said, oh, my uh, goodness. I said, uh, yeah, of course I told him that. And I said, uh, he said, oh, man, I haven't been getting much sleep lately. I said, no, you're a liar, dude. It's vampirism. Uh, you know, I don't, you know, I don't care if you're FBI. I don't care if you're darn president. I don't care if you're the God. I'm going to tell you the truth. Yeah, you let them know. No matter what. And, yeah, I let them know, man. I'm trying to save these people. They don't understand. You know, there's something a lot more evil than the Russians and the Chinese. I know, you know, if they didn't have nuclear bombs, you know, they're, they're at, they're right at the top with the aliens too. So, uh, but, uh, if it didn't have nuclear bombs, maybe we could have did it. I wish I would have been born during World War II and I could have told the people then instead of, you know, this happening now, because we could have changed the future. We really could. I mean, Chinese, Russia, we could be fighting these invisible, uh, demons and devils that's in our cities. And, uh, well, China and Russia are now are, to, yeah, now China and Russia are our uh, mortal enemies now. Yeah, I know. Yeah, they want to take us out. And the thing is, yeah, the thing is, our Democrats and senators are acting like children. When I'm watching these people 
talk to certain, you know, these other people. It's like a witch hunt. I mean, you could see they're, they're crazy. These Very people crazy. are crazy. I mean, I think they're all crazy. Mind, I could, you could see the hate, hatred. Have you ever seen people with hatred in their mind and you could film it? We got it on camera. You know what's going to happen during, people are going to look back in about a hundred years from now. And they're going to say, man, that dude was crazy, man. I mean, they must have been underneath some kind of mind control. I, I agree mean, with you there tremendously, this, this actually. Is, people will look back. It's like religious people. Yeah, people will look back at this in a 100 years from now and think all of them were nuts. <laughs> yeah, not all of them. I'm talking about these crazy uh people that want to kill babies and take our guns away and take our money. I mean... That's three things you don't do. You don't mess with my children. You don't mess with my money. And you don't mess with my house. Okay? That's three things you don't do. That's enough to kill you for. Okay? Right? Imagine if they, uh, I'm going to give you an example. They went to that Nancy Pelosi house and standing on her, you know, she got this wall and they're going to arrest people. And right? Oh, you can't, you know, trespass. Well, these people are trespassing on our land. They're criminals. You know, amazing. Well, Neil, Neil, I I, I hate to do this, but we are definitely running out of time here. I'm looking at the clock. So, Neil, I do want to leave you, of course, with any more final thoughts before we wrap up tonight. Again, I do want to thank you tremendously for being a part of the program. It's been yet again another informative and very uh, horrifying uh, ordeal with you here tonight. Uh, the fact that you actually told the FBI all of this. Well, I had to. I didn't have no choice, you know. Uh, I don't know how to get in touch with the CIA, you know. Oh, my God. I don't uh, think you should call them. And, uh, well, thing is, if I would be in the FBI, I would have been, I would have been, uh, in that dude's face probably and oh, saying, man. what the hell are you doing? <laughs> you know, I would look at him in his face. You know what? I could read your mind. I said, Go ahead and sit down and let me look at you for a little while. I could read their minds, man. I mean, I am so psychic. Imagine if you uh killed somebody or a murder happened. I don't want to imagine you could that. Sit this person, a dead person. No, I'm, th- I'm talking about a dead person. Right. I could actually communicate with a dead person. You communicate with the dead now. Of course. You're a medium. That's one re you know. Well, I'm way, I'm way past a medium, dude. I mean. I'm like so high up. I mean, um, anybody that tries to say I'm a fake, I mean, uh, you better watch out what you say about me because you have no idea what might happen in the spirit world. So, but, uh, I'm the last piece of the puzzle. I'm the last testament. I'm the one that sees and I know most of the humans are blind. Now I've met some people on Facebook that saw spirits in photographs. I've met some people. They could see spirits in photographs. And it's kind of like the third eye. You could actually see them better. So there's some people that could see these things, you know, like faces in the clouds, like the mountains, um, these dead giants that's all over the mountains, you know, that I've been doing research lately. They were turned into stone. They're giants. I mean, and uh, one dude tonight, I think he said, oh, humans just was made 40,000 years ago. I said, no, dude, you're wrong. 65 million years ago, giant humans used to walk among the uh, dinosaurs when they destroyed this earth, you know. 
And that was a complete destruction of the planet because the dinosaurs and the reptilian, you know, the dinosaurs and the humans was doing something that someone didn't agree with. And I overheard them talking and they said they wouldn't stop it. So they destroyed them. And one day this whole planet's going to have to be destroyed again. You know, when Saturn comes, they got so many demons uh, on the earth. One day the planet will be destroyed. That's true. They don't leave. We got, well, we're going to have to do it again. We got to burn the whole planet. I mean, uh, I saw, uh, I saw a big giant cigar spaceship pull in front of the moon and was letting out this gas like mustard gas. Now I didn't tell the FBI about mustard gas because I didn't think about it. They could actually shoot mustard gas all in these cities, you know, evacuate people. And just gas them. I mean, they start choking. Their eyes will burn and just blow them up after, you know, blow up all the buildings and uh, do it that way. Because I actually seen uh, the moon just disappeared. This big spaceship let out this gas and you couldn't see the spaceship no more. It's like a long cigar spaceship. And I actually called the FBI. I told him about it. He said, you know what he told me? Call NASA. Yeah, I remember I you said, telling me that. What? And I called him. Yeah, I called him back and I said, you know what, man? I tell you what, you called NASA. I'm not your errand boy. <laughs> you told him that. You freaking called NASA. I was pissed. <laughs> yeah, I was pissed. <laughs> I was mad as shit. And you know what? He believed every word. He believed me, too. Because when I was talking, see, I'm psychic. If I'm talking on the phone, I could read you, too. And when I told him about what was happening, I could see the fear behind, you know, I could see him on the phone listening to me and he was like oh my gosh this is real you know this is what he said in his mind i could read his mind so and then he told me go to uh call nasa it's like you know there's no 911 phone to call nasa and all that stuff was falling down on los angeles all that gas i mean there's no telling what was in that gas i mean that's why we're getting sick and dying young for one reason because they had evidence like in uh was it third uh 1500s or 1300s, they uh, talked about these alien ships putting out gas, and then that, that's when the Black Plague happened. They actually had evidence about some people actually said stuff about that. Incredible. Well, Neil, again, so, I, you know, know I, have, right, Neil, I hate to do this, but we only have about five minutes left here. Okay. Just giving you a warning here. Well, hey, nice talking with you again. I know, Neil. I you yeah. know, I hate to pull and, the plug uh, soon here, but. Yeah, it, it's it's terrible that we have to get going here, but Neil, I do want to thank you again for being a part of the program. It's been extremely wonderful yet again to talk to you one on one and pick your brain here. And my goodness, I again, I hope uh, no one visits you at night like Roger Stone. Well, I move around a lot. <laughs> I got you. Got to understand them uh, people in Georgia. Uh, they're after me. I mean, I actually had some people coming to me in the park and said, hey, man, I eat rocks. And then when his wife was walking toward me, toward us, he said, ask my wife. And she said, yeah, he eats rocks. He was actually talking about eating me. <laughs> but see, my nickname is The Rock. Rock and Roll Roby Show. <laughs> yeah, that's your name. And but, uh, yeah, go ahead and unplug your, your website or whatever you'd like, Neil. Go ahead. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm doing the Open Eye Project. They could find me on my Facebook, um, and uh, I'm on Twitter. I like to do the GFs, you know. And I, I, 
you know, I'm doing a lot of radio stations because I'm not really worried about the book. Yeah, you're also writing a they book. Can take me out, you know. I, uh, well, I, I started a book with Hay House Publishing Company, but the problem was they'd lost all my uh, material that I sent them, and then someone stole my my uh, computer. Uh, oh no! Information to do the book. Yeah, the only thing I got left is uh, American. What is it? American uh, Writers Guild in Los Angeles. I actually got a hard copy, so. Uh, I did a thing where, you know, to make sure my story is not uh, stolen or whatever or made for a movie or whatever. Right. But uh, uh, I'm surprised I'm still alive. I mean, uh, I'm I'm going through pain every day. I sleep with a machete. Oh, my God. Firecrackers and I blow their asses up, (laughs) (laughs) you know, because that they actually hurt me, man. I mean, oh, no, you got to understand I'm defending the Holy Sepulchre. Yeah, the Holy Sepulchre. Uh, well, I told you about that. It's spelled a certain way. It's over 170,000 years old. I mean, that spirit said, I've been looking for the Holy Sepulchre for over 170,000 years, this mountain spirit said, while I was passing by. So, uh. Amazing. I'm the host. And where, yeah, wherever I drive, it follows me. I mean, this dimension is like really big. It's like an invisible moon traveling on the face of the earth and as i move it rolls i mean it lifts up clouds everything behind me goes up and everything in front of me goes down it's kind of weird <laughs> indeed I mean, uh yeah so um definitely go and and check out his 70 of us is supposed to definitely go check out his um material out there ladies and gentlemen uh, give him a round of applause for being on the program here uh, Neil, thank you so much for being a part of the program. <laughs> Loved it. Yeah. Well, I think we told, you know, this one little hour or whatever it is, it was, it was enough. I'm tired of talking, actually. Yeah, I could hear it in you. I, I, I know yeah. you're winding down here, and I thought, okay, now I need to uh, step in here because, you know, you're getting a little tired, and I, I totally understand. Again, everyone likes you from the private messages I was receiving right now. And uh, again, they want me to thank you for being on and we'll talk to you again in the near future, my friend. Okay. All right, Neil. Say good night. Love you Mike. too, my friend. Take care. I love all the people. That's why, love that's them why all. I'm telling people, you know, that's why I'm telling people what's going on. Totally. Really appreciate that. Doing a good job. Just yeah, don't call, pre- just don't call I the FBI. You too, because you get, you. <laughs> Well, I had to. They're listening to everything we talk about anyway. Well, that's, yeah, <laughs> that's true. You know? Unfortunately, yes. Amazing. That's uh, how they, that's how they get free information. Right. They don't have to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> I agree tremendously. Thank you so much, Neil. We'll speak to you again on the other side. All right. Good night. God bless. And there he goes. Ladies and gentlemen, what a night that was. I had a great time. I want to thank all of you out there for Enjoying both interviews here, I want to thank Linda Godfrey, of course, and our good friend Neil, Open Eye Project. Amazing stuff. And if you're listening to this on a replay, keep in mind, you can listen every Saturday night at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on YouTube, and soon back on the TuneIn Radio app. And if you enjoy this program, you can go to michaeldeacon.com, and on the right-hand side of your screen, hit that little donate button there. Really appreciate that tremendously. I'm Michael Deacon. 
Thank you for listening. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody.